<laughs> and then, and then she said, fourth time's the charm, and she just twisted it. She twisted it. <laughs> no, no, ironically though, the fourth time didn't do anything. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Big Damn Cast. I am Jose Conseco. I am the boy of your dreams. And we are here to dish out audible filth into your ears. That's right. We are sponsored this week by Filth. Uh, the James McAvoy movie from 2013. Have you seen Filth, the James No, McAvoy I've not seen Filth. Is it like it's shame? very good. Is it like shame? No, it's much Is it, is it a prequel X-Man being filthy? It's, it's much funnier than shame, but it's also... In some ways, darker. It's very dark. Very, very dark. Very dark, very dark. Ooh, very dark. Darker than a Bourneville. But it's a good laugh. And Jim Broadbent plays a sentient tape room, so there is that. I'm sorry. (laughs) What are we doing recording this podcast? Why are we not watching that? Bruce, yes. Is that what he talks? Got to take the pills, Bruce, yes. Is that what he talks? Yeah. God, I want to watch this so bad. It's very good. Oh my God. It's just, you know, it's a hard watch. Speaking of hard watch, <laughs> there's no segue here. Uh, this week saw the release of Spider-Man Homecoming. What do we think of it? Ask us next week. This, will, is pre- this is pre-recorded. It will have seen a release the day... This goes out on YouTube the day after it goes out on SoundCloud. The future! Um, we'll talk about Spider-Man Homecoming next week. Yes. Uh, as well as another part of the Spider-Man cinematic legacy. But this week, what are we talking about, Matt? What's our menu this week? We're going to have a look at the little trailers that came out and came all over our faces. Yes. Jumanji, Inhumans, and Cult of Chucky. But did we spit or did we swallow? Find oh, out in a moment. It's coming everywhere um <laughs> it's on my chest what's um, the main course you beautiful bear course, of a man the main course is <laughs> spider-man steak uh-huh. a la yes sam raimi i like what you did there with a sauce of the early 2000s i mean it got a bit convoluted toward the end but yeah, i'll, listen, I'll take shut it up, shut up <laughs> because for dessert oh there's a We've got an email cheesecake. Yes, we do. With a with a Doctor Who coolie. Oh, you beautiful man. Mm. Oh, oh my god. The only the only way this evening could be more perfect is if Bruce Campbell was serving it. Oh. Oh Bruce. Sweet Bruce. It's a shame, isn't it? He's not dead. No, he's not dead. <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> oh, references to the future for us, but the past for everyone else. Hey. So, first off, let's talk trailers, you handsome swine. Um, what came out this past week? And by past week, I mean last week when we recorded this. Um, <laughs> my dears. Jumanji. Yes, well, the new, newly retitled Jungle. Welcome to the Jumanji. Wait. Welcome. Jumanji to the jungle. The. Welcome to Jumanji jungle. Well. <laughs> this stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Johnson. Uh, Jacqueline Blacklin. Jacqueline Blacklin. Um, <laughs> Kevin Hart? Kevin Huate. Small man. The tiny <clears throat> individual. Um, and. Carbon. 
Karen Gillan, Guillemot, and both of her legs. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to miss, really. All isn't of it? them. Just all <laughs> 70 feet of them. Kicking, leaping, and 70 feet probably getting their own paychecks. Kicking legs. So. Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle the trailer came out now this is a film that's been a bit of a controversy since it was announced because everyone was like what you can't remake Jumanji and then it came out that, why is no. the only female character barely dressed yeah well don't worry they reference it no, that was, was okay right yeah, like but, dressing. Yeah. oh god yeah. but um, it's yeah. they confirm that no 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 it's not a remake it's it's well it's in the same universe as the first one the first film happened so it's like, oh, so this is like a The Thing sort of thing, then, is it? They've just got the same title. Yeah, they've obviously chickened out on that. It's now called Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. The second Welcome to the Jungle in which Dwayne The Rock Johnson has starred. Yeah, oh god, yeah. So the what is it a sequel known, to? The film that's known as The Rundown in the States <laughs> is called Welcome to the Jungle over here with The Rock and Sean William Scott. Yeah. You know, Stifler. Remember when he had a career? Um, oh! <laughs> Bulletproof Monk is now on Amazon Prime. <laughs> no, on Netflix. Recently well, we're like, watching Bulletproof, Bulletproof Monk. Ice Fuck. I sense a movie night oh, coming man, on. It's not very good. <laughs> a very drunken movie it's, night. It's, it's fine. Oh, God. It's not very it was, good. It in, is it Chun Yafat? Yeah. Of course, because that was when they were trying to, like, it was like Hollywood was almost trying to appropriate him as a person He's and a culture. Pretty good is Chun Yafat. He's like, great, but it was during this weird period they were like, we're going to put him in. Everything. But just go and watch Hard Boiled. That's all you need, yeah. really. Or Traction Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He's great, you know. Oh, Michelle Yeoh's great. Oh, man, that's a great movie. Traction Tiger, Hidden Dragon is really good. Um, but tell you what might be good, possibly. Jumanji. Jumanji, Welcome, Welcome to the Jungle. to the Jungle. Oil. Now, it's evident immediately from this trailer that this is not your dad's Jumanji. And Which is that, good, because, like... You, I mean, you shouldn't try and ape and, and, and mimic the last one. Now, here's the thing about Jumanji. I'm going to say something that's going to rile some people here. Okay, go for it. Jumanji go. is a wonderful film. Yeah. With some fantastic performances. Yeah. And some really cool set pieces. Yeah. It's not a great movie. Yeah. It's, it's CGI has... D- has aged terribly. Well, like monkey, monkey. Oh, the man. monkeys, the spiders in the wide shots, the monkey child face, like it's all aged horribly. Um, but it's a central performance from Robin Williams. It's the set pieces with the practical effects. It's the really cool, like, old school pith helmet style game hunter villain. Like, all of that. Who was also the big band of the cartoon series. Yes. Which had that wonderfully weird animation that Nickelodeon Yeah, that thing started. where Nick was sort of trying to still be... Oh, God, what was that with the monsters that they did? Ah, Real Monsters. Yeah, Ah, Real Mon... What was it called? Ah! Real Monsters. Ah, Real Monsters. So it, it tried to keep kind of the, the shading style yeah, and the outline yeah. look of those shows, but at the same time... It's sort of like take the wild thorn breeze, but put it yeah, through the filter. Yeah, similar to the wild thorn. But put it through it? the filter of Ariel monsters and Ren and Stimpy and those kind of looks. Maybe Jumanji a bit of sort of yeah, oh yeah, Beetlejuice series, Beetlejuice the show, uh, where Lydia hangs out with her would be um, creepy, creepy dead ex husband. Yeah, and they never reference it, and it's like, well, I'm glad they don't because it makes it really awkward. But I saw the film; their relationship should not be like this. Do they go tropical? Not yet. Oh. Give it time. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be Michael Keaton's next film post by then. I mean, let's be honest. If it was by this point, we'd go, we've obviously done it for a reason, and it's either a giant paycheck or because it's a story worth telling. Let's find out. Mm. Must we, haven't we said all we need to say with Beetlejuice? Must we go tropical? Yes. Uh, yes so, oh, God. Will they get Jeffrey Jones back? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
when we watch that and those scenes where he's like gazing at the neighbours through the binoculars oh, just a uh, so whole new creepier, meaning so whole much new creepier. meaning um God, we're getting so off track. Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. <laughs> yes, uh, it's n- right. So everybody's very. Everyone has nostalgia goggles for Jumanji. Um, I, I would argue. I would argue. It's, I would argue it's not a very. Oh God. <laughs> I would argue it's not a br- like the same way that the moment you put Hook under the magnifying glass, you're like, there is so much that is wonderful it about just sort this. Of breaks, the but glass. It, it's not brilliant. Like being a child of the '90s, being a child of the '80s. That has affected our opinion of I a mean, lot I of like movies it, of that time. It's not very good. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. It is not wrong to like it. <laughs> I mean, Christ, I wish I could enjoy every movie I see. I, I wish I could, but I can't because I'm a critical little bitch. And Jumanji's one of those critical little bitch. Jumanji's one of those that I really Absolutely. enjoy it, but it's down to essential performance and the set pieces more than anything, and it's all the feel of the movie. Like it feels like very old school adventure. It's got that Spielbergian kind of story of like you know kids getting up to shenanigans. And... Where are the parents? Yeah, all, all that good shit. Um, it's always the question. So you know, it's got that sort of vibe. This new one looks like it's nothing to do with that. However, once the trailer is viewed with thine eyes, you can kind of see where they're coming from with it. Mm. And I'm more on board with it now. So the main premise is four kids, well, for various reasons, the principals decide to give them detention. Like one of them, four high school kids one, who are clearly slayed by people in their mid twenties. Yeah, one of them is sort of like the preppy cheerleadery. You know, doesn't give a damn about anyone else. It's all about self, me, me, me. Sort of. Kid. Are you going to help us, or are you too pretty? Mm, I'm too pretty. Yeah, I mean, spelled that wasn't out. a bad line. Actually, spe- yeah. that was quite good. Um, then you've got uh, like you've got the two lads. We don't really see so much about what their beef you've got the is. Really. Lad and you've got the, what, the, what's like the jock lad yeah yeah well actually that would make more sense based on what happened and then they have the role reverse yeah and then they've got the uh, the what's it they sort of got the, the sort of the shire the, the shire girl the wallflower uh, they're basically forced as detention to clear up the school's basement and while there they find what was it was it an Atari it looks like an Atari and they find Jumanji the game so it's not the board game; it's 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 a cartridge. Which I they... think is a really smart. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. For the I, uh, really smart way to I can't deny. It. I just I, I, I feel like a bit sad that we've lost the whimsy of a board game that does something mystical. Because even in the original Jumanji, it wasn't like yay a board game when they're playing. It's sort of like oh, I guess we'll play this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh. um, well, I think you mentioned. Plus, there was that whole thing of like holding it; you could kind of feel the the power the coming from power it. Power of the Juman. You know what I mean? Gee, and, and also, um, it's in the same universe as Zathora. Zathora is a, is a not a spin-off from Jumanji, but it's it's a story from the same world. I have not seen Zathora. It's is a it sci- good? It's not great. It's just um. It's a it's a sci- it's a it's a it's a board game based around aliens and it's interstellar not travel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's what it's, I did before Iron Man. It's not astounding. Um, it's Kristen Stewart's like first role as a teen actress, as opposed to a kid actress as well. She's the older sister in it. Oh. Um, and we studied part of it in uh, for media, I think, I in high school the during the GCSE. We were showing a clip and we had to write about it. I was like, what a weird pick. But um, yeah, it's just, like this is technically the third movie, I guess, in a series in the Jumanji verse. Yeah, oh, Jumanji. God, don't give Sony ideas. The Jumanji share. Don't universe. you dare do Listen, it. Listen, we just have so many rich characters in the deep Jumanji universe. Oh, we want to tell stories about. So we'll be announcing big mustachioed, big game hunter solo <laughs> movie. I mean, I'd Star- watch that. Starring Tom Hardy. <laughs> oh, Christ. When's it coming cool. out? When's it coming out? In less time than it takes to make a film. But oh, we, great! But we don't have Robin Williams, unfortunately, because he's not with us any longer. So we're actually going to use spliced together footage oh, God. from all of his movies and CGI it into The Genie from Aladdin, 
which we have on loan from Disney. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Isn't that right, Kevin Feige? Why are you looking at me like sorry, that, what? says Amy Pascal. Sorry. Um, sorry. Uh, they pick characters... And from what we can see, they just, they just sort the of... Silver Sable Black Widow team up movie. They just... Oh, don't even... We will do... We will talk about that next week. <laughs> but they, they get into... Uh, like, they, they pick characters and, like, the, 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 you know, the valley girl goes for the one who's basically called, like... The, the, was it's, it, it's the curvy... Uh, like the, the, uh, something like... Explorer uh, or something like that. It, it, it's, it's something like the, the curvy historian or something like that. Yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. she picks the one and then their name is... Like, I can't remember the name is, but it's not, like, clearly it's, a bloke it's, it's or not, whatever. It's not clearly gendered. So she picks that... And then they get zapped into the game, and suddenly they wake up as The Rock, Kevin Hart, Karen Gillan, and Jack Black. So, already, we're seeing the exteriors, they're all dressed in the various things that Kevin Hart, so it looks like the dumpy little comedy explorer, like The Rock looks like the action hero, Karen Gillan looks like, you know, Tomb Raider-esque kind of, you know. Why am I, um, why are my legs and midriff exposed <laughs> in the jungle? <laughs> and they don't respond, but it's like, see, we've addressed it. We've addressed it. Now you can stop talking. Mm, can you? Um, we shall see. We shall and see then how it's handled. Jack Black in sort of, you know, pith, tweed, bow tie, all this stuff. And because this is actually yeah. a spin-off from the Peter Jackson King Kong <laughs> as well. <laughs> no, it's... it's actually that no, character's no, 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 great-grandson. No, 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 no. We, we never refer to that. The one and only time where I watched Jack Black deliver a line and went, no. And sort of walked away from the screen and went and made a cup of tea. He dis- he butchered Twas Beauty Killed the Beast. He, I mean, he was the wrong he was the wrong actor for that role. Twas Beauty Killed This Beast. If it, if it said it like that, I loved it. <laughs> Apparently, Jack Black's had some really good dramatic roles recently. But no, I've not seen any of them. It wasn't the planes? <laughs> Twas Beauty Killed the Beast. <laughs> no, you're not the beast <laughs> until you kill the beast. Oh God! I mean, I'd watch that. But the legend of the beast was way past you. <laughs> I would watch that version happily. Uh, oh God! He's the valley girl. So when she sees a reflection of the water, she's like, "Oh my God! I'm, oh no, I'm, I'm a, a fat middle-aged, I'm a fat middle-aged man." <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm overweight middle-aged man. So the appeal of this movie is no longer, "Oh, it's Jumanji or whatever." The appeal of this movie to me, based on that trailer, solely is, "Oh my God! It's these four actors playing complete, like playing young kids with completely different personalities, yeah, playing against type, playing and also playing against the visual of their character. Yeah, like yeah. their characters all look a certain way, and they're not allowed to act that way because the wallflower." Is like the you know sex um, pushed heroin sex character. Pest. No, the sex like the the heroin character. The designed the sexualized sex heroin. That's the yeah. one. Like the the nerd is in the like the superhero size like muscly guy's body. I the jock am... is in the tiny little comedy dude. Where's my, where's my top two feet gone? Yeah, <laughs> I've lost two. Was it? I've lost two like two whole foot. It's like, oh god. So that's the appeal to me now. Having seen the trailer, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Watching those four actors play with that. I think it looks really fun. And it's making hippos scary again, so that's always Oh, God, yeah. Fucking scary hippos. Yeah, I love a scary hippo. Row, blow, joe, flow, hippo. Hey, but you know what giant animal isn't scary? Oh? (laughs) The big big human doggy, lockjaw. They're doing lockjaw on screen, and it looks so good. Now... 
What Matt's referring to is the uh, live-action representation of Lockjaw in the trailer for The Inhumans. <laughs> the Inhumans is, I believe, an, an eight-part ABC series, like uh, Agent Carter. This is essentially the Agent yeah. Carter replacement, isn't I it? In terms of where it fits so in the budget ten. and everything. But it's a short, it's a short season. It's not an eight-part season. season. And the first two episodes are a two-parter or directly, you know, can be joined up together and then, are being edited together yeah. and released as an IMAX preview a week before the airing of, I think, both episodes. Yeah. Um, so essentially, The Inhumans was on Marvel's movie slate as of three years ago, was removed about a year and a half ago, and now it's like, yeah, we're not doing The Inhumans movie, but we're doing The Inhumans TV show, and you can watch the first part of that show as a movie experience in theatres. The Inhuman Royal Family, <clears throat> living on the motherfucking moon! Son! Living on the moon! Oh my god, so we're going into Fantastic Four territory here of like the different parts of the moon. On the moon. <laughs> and it's only a matter of time till they find us up here. NASA's <laughs> never going to the moon again, not as long as Trump's president. <laughs> there is no moon. Besides, there's loads of Transformers all over it, apparently. That's no moon. That's a space <laughs> station. <laughs> it's like a hundred million voices all cried out at the same time. Could you believe that? At the same Time. They're all saying it the same time. Unbelievable. Everyone and then the moon's made of cheese. They were silenced. They were silenced. Forever. Um, <laughs> hand gestures and all. Um, so, the Inhumans are on the moon. Yeah. They're fear of exposure. And who is it who Ramsey Bolton's playing? Uh, Maximus the Mad. So Maximus the Mad. Brother of Blackagar Boltagon. King, the king of the Inhumans. Rises yes, up. It's Blackagar... Boltagon. Should we just call him by his uh, superhero moniker? Actual name. Let's just call him by superhero moniker or I might puke. Blackball. Blackball, there we go. Blackagar Boltagon. <laughs> no! <laughs> we see Karnak, we see Triton, we see uh, Crystal, we see Medusa. Medusa looks now, his... fucking cool. She does in motion, and that teaser poster, that teaser shot from a couple weeks ago, she looked dumb as all hell. Like, the wig looked really weird and everything. I know, but she's got such a great jawline. She's got a really... Yeah. Oh, she, looks just... like, she looks like a John Romita Senior illustration. She's statuesque. Doesn't she? She sort of looks like John Romita Senior's, like... She's got, I don't know, she's got that sort of, like, really chiselled profile of a, of a John Yeah, like, like the, the cheek meets the, yeah. the jaw and everything. Um, but also... I, one thing I was disappointed with in the trailer, because I'll say this, well, two things. One, it's not a very well edited trailer. It's no, really not weird. particularly. But the other thing I was disappointed we don't see Medusa's power in action. No. I wanted at least just no. one shot of, holy shit, that hair is alive. Yeah, that would be why. Fucker to one of Let's put it in a TV series. Um, but I'll tell you this, though, it looks pretty cool. Black Bolt, stoic and quiet and everything. You feel the genuine fear, like Maximus even rising up against him in that trailer. It looks like Black Bolt is going to say something, and he immediately is like, "Kill him! Kill him! Kill!" Him. Like yeah. you, you from the trailer, if you had nothing, to, if you knew nothing about the Inhumans, you watch that trailer and be like, "He's not spoken yet." Then he goes to speak, and the villain panics, like fear on his face. You see that, and you go, "Oh!" And then they give you that tiny glimpse of what he's capable of at the end when he gets, he's getting up, uh, detained by the police on Earth, and they smack him in. Like, he, he, gets like a, he gets like a, he gets like a, a truncheon to the to the stomach. And he just sort of exhales like a, a little sort of, 
and it blows a police car over and down the road. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. Um, and also, Lockjaw, I think Lockjaw's the highlight of the trailer. Because when he first shows up, it's in like a big swirl of yeah. CGI, and you're like, oh, is that how they're going to do it? You're not really going to see him. No, then like two seconds later, he materializes in the middle of a street in like New York, and, and he's just, it's just huge. like, tongue out, just panting, just like, <laughs> and they've gone full on, they've just gone, what is he, is he a bulldog? He's a bulldog yeah. He, yeah, they've just gone bulldog. Giving a tiny little thing on his forehead. Bulldog. There it is. It's all you need in it. And then he gets a shot at the end being all adorable. Um, uh, he's just a giant. In in the comics, he um, he hangs out with Kamala Khan for a while. Like with Miss Marvel. Medusa gives Medusa oh, gives cool. him to Kamala Khan because she's an inhuman. Oh, okay. oh yeah, because that was all that was all part um, of uh, the post. Um, uh, in, in Infinity. Infinity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the inhuman <clears throat> inhumanity fallout thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she. So she has the lockjaw for a while. I'm going to find a picture for you while you keep talking. <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, I'm not I'm not like Marvel movie excited, and it's sort of being we've been told to think of it the same way that Amy Pascal is trying to pass off the Sony movies, and that the same way we think of the uh, think of Agents of Shield and the Netflix shows. It's like it's not immediately going to impact on the movies in any way. Um, it might be mentioned, it might be referenced in the motion pictures, oh, but it won't be. It won't be, you know, something that you have to see as part of the MCU. I However, would mention the, the, the big old uh, teleporting, bull, teleporting bulldog. bulldog. If they don't throw a mention in of that at some point, it would be a bit of a waste opportunity. There's the picture. But, um, oh, look, and she can hug him because she can stretch her arms. She can give him, like, tickles behind his ear and everything. Oh, that's really cute. Hello, my name is Lockjaw. I like hugs. Yeah, he does. He's so big, though. He's adorable. I love the fact they've not shied away from that. You know that we're in the Marvel, the post-Marvel superhero movie era, yeah. when they go, we're going to have the giant teleporting bulldog. Because of course we are. <laughs> We've had the talking raccoon and the tree. <laughs> it's already a gif. So Inhumans, look, Inhumans looks like fun. I think we'll definitely be going to see the IMAX uh, screenings when they go Oh up. boy, will I. And I never go to the IMAX screenings because IMAX is overpriced. <clears throat> Ha-ha! Um, oh, but now you've got Limitless. So you only have to pay like three quid. Yeah, still too much. <laughs> Do you know what isn't too much? In fact, it's too little. I don't know. I'm not quite sure how I feel about this, actually. But I'm excited for the movie itself. The trailer, however, I feel okay with it. Cult of Chucky. Hmm. The seventh movie in the Charles Play series. The second movie since Don Mancini moved it specifically, exclusively, to the home video market for releases. Because he was like, look, Universal, you want to do something with the Chucky property. You've been banding around the idea of a remake of Charles Play for years. You're not doing anything with it, though. Give me a budget of $5 million, and I'll make you a Chucky movie. Give me $5 million and a few good men, and I'll move the mountain for you. I think in the end it was actually $20 million for Curse of Chucky, I think. Double for the marketing. Well, they have to get Brad Dourif back. And um, someone's got to keep him in eyebrow wax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. And also on camera as well, because he's in that one. Yeah. In flashbacks. Yeah. Um, Fantastic wig. Just, yeah, it is. Uh, it's like they, they went uh, right, Brad. We need to. Uh, we, need to make, just we need to make Brad like look. We need to make Brad. No, I've seen him. He's sort of got like with short, wispy grey hair at the back. Oh. But it's like we need to make Brad Dourif look like he did in the eighties. <gasps> Quickly to the fancy dress department. Look for the Tommy Wiseau costume and wig. <laughs> and let's get Jane Franco to do the voice. Oh hi, doggy. Uh, oh, oh god. Can't wait for that to come out as well. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, 
It Cult of Chucky's the follow-up to that movie. Curse of Chucky was really good. It took the series back to the roots of it just being horror. Like, it had a dark sense of humour, but it really wasn't comedy. Curse, Chucky, yeah, Curse yeah. is great, and it's very refreshing after Seed, which I argue, like, Seed of Chucky, I think... Till Curse came out, Seed was the best directed it's Chucky the, it's, movie, but, it's but it was most comedic. Yeah, yeah and, and as as of that, it was most people's least favorite in the series, and I, I kind of agree. Charles mm. Play Three gets knocked down quite a bit, but I think it's more because of its associations within a certain horrific event that happened around the time it's released and what it got lumped <laughs> in with. But uh, yeah, I, I I think Seed of Chucky was the low point for the series in terms of like its tone and it winning over everybody. Curse of Chucky set the bar again because it went, this is a horror. We know you know the doll's alive, but we're going to make you wait for it. We're going to make you want to see him moving. Just you, edge it. you know, yeah, we're going <laughs> to edge it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to cook it. Um, we're going to blue, we're going to blue balls it the entire time. But it was satisfying. When he first speaks in, in Curse, it's amazing. It's like 55 minutes in or whatever it is. And it's the whole, um, it's the, the kid, the girl says, like, Chucky, I'm scared, like, talking to, talking to it under yeah. the duvet, and he just starts laughing, and he goes, you fucking should be. <laughs> it's like, yay, there he is! Um, but it was great, it was, it was all horror, like, it had a dark sense of humour, but it wasn't a comedy film at all. Um, it was wicked, I think is the way, like, the sense of humour was wicked. Mm. Cult of Chucky is keeping with the horror, it's a follow-up to Curse, and it's about um, Fiona Dorff's character from the last one. Yeah, put away in the asylum and because you see her talking in a normal voice after a little bit of seeing her. Dirk Gently, yeah. yeah, she's great. In Dirk Gently, she's yeah. the best thing I about it. Um, but uh, yeah, she she is been she's been convinced by this point by you know the psychiatrists and everything that she committed the murders in Curse of Chucky. It wasn't the doll; it was all a delusion. And as part of the therapy session for her, and it sort of implies the other people she's in therapy with have also encountered him in some way. Hmm. Um, for therapy, the psychiatrist brings in a good guy doll. <laughs> no, sh- no shit, Sherlock. Forgetting what happens next, um, but it looks like it's an asylum set horror flick mm. with Chucky trying to pick them off I... one by one and drive them all insane. I like the idea of it being a, a stalker slasher movie in a in, a, in an in asylum. A, in an asylum again. Well, in a in an isolated location again. Um, I think the asylum angle might make it lean a bit too heavily into cliche. But I think movies have always kind of got away with that anyway. Yeah, and also, like, but also, I think the whole thing is a bit of a callback to the first film because yeah. you have that fifteen-minute sequence set in the like child detention center where Andy's detained mm. in the first one, and Chucky comes for him and stuff, yeah. and you get you get the death where he uses the electrodes to fry the doctor to to death and everything. And of course, Andy's back. So. And Andy's back, and the subplot is Andy's like found out what's going on, and he's trying to get there to stop it, yeah. and Tiffany's on his tail. Because Jennifer Tilly's back in this one, there she's in the trailer. Again, just a little glimpse to go, oh yeah, she's in this. God, I love Jennifer Tilly. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in these movies. Are you alright there, Matt? Yeah, just having a moment. I'm about bound again. (laughs) That was the Wachowski's first film, wasn't it? It They made Bound to prove that they could direct a movie, and that's when Warner's went, alright, fine, we'll let you make this film about cyberspace and people in long coats that you want to make. Do you think they included the the, the lesbian scene as sort of bribery? I don't know. Sexual bribery. I'm not sure. Look at this really hot thing. (laughs) Which gets referenced in Cedar Chucky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, God, I'm a bad person. I really am. So... 
Call the Chucky. Trailer's a bit choppy, no pun intended. Um, but I'm still excited for the film. It'll be coming to Blu-ray, DVD, and ah, streaming choppy. services in October. <laughs> he got it. He got it. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk about that during the time. Now, coming out today, if you're listening to this on release, uh, or last week, if, if you're a bit late. SoundCloud release, it's out tomorrow. SoundCloud, yeah, SoundCloud iTunes, it's out tomorrow, unless you've gone to see an early screening. YouTube version, it's out today. It's out today, YouTube. unless you've seen an early screening. Uh, if you're listening to this beyond Friday, the, then it's out. Yeah, then what what are you doing here? Go. I've heard some really good early buzz about it. Some really good. There's early been buzz. some nice, nice early stuff. And also, um, we've seen all the trailers, so we've actually already seen the movie, just not in the right. Well, way. according to one of the reviews <laughs> I read, <laughs> the, the trailers haven't given everything away. There's a lot still to be surprised by Fuck in the movie. Off, they haven't given everything away. But we'll know. We'll know by this time next. There's at week. least ninety minutes worth of trailers, so it's pretty much all in oh, there. Let's God. face it. Spider-Man: Homecoming, the sixth. Sp- Spider-Man movie to get a theatrical release. The sixth the Spider-Man third movie. third live-action iteration. The, 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 the first of the third franchise. Yeah, oh God. But what a franchise. And we're going to talk about it this week. By Grabthar's Hammer, what a savings. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. This segue shall be event. That Blu-ray um, set's amazing. Oh God. So... Even if it has got Spider-Man 3 in it. Next week we're going to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and give our thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming because we'll have seen it by next week's recording. And or will we? We, yes, we, we will. Yeah, we will. We definitely will. So we'll talk but about will we? Week. Yes. Okay, yes, we will. Will we have that? You've got a limitless card. <laughs> I love you say you hate IMAX but you've randomly picked up a pair of IMAX glasses from the back of this table and you put them on. just needed something to fidget with. Ooh. Oh, well, I'm glad it's up there this time. You know me, Chris, I'm a fidgeter. Now, this... I need to get a fidget cube. Oh, God. Fidget spinner, that's what the kids are into. Fidget spinners. What about a web spinner? Can't do anything with them. Because this... Web spinners, yeah, you can. No, fidget spinners. Uh, yeah, you can. You can slice very mushy fruit. Listen, you I'll can put you know, a dent in some jelly. I'll have you know I have the firmest fruit. Oh, baby. Just the firmest. Well, take a bite of this peach, sir. How do you like them apples? Because this week, we're going to talk I about... I peach for hours. Oh, I just like to stick my thumb in a peach <laughs> and leave it there. <laughs> we're going to talk about the first cinematic iteration of Spider-Man, and arguably up to this moment, the best cinematic iteration of Spider-Man. Italian Spider-Man. <laughs> no. <laughs> The Nick Cannon TV movie. Turkey Spider-Man. Turkey Spider-Man. Oh, Japanese Spider-Man. This big old mech. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Now, here's, here's a tiny bit of backstory before we... We'll start with number one, obviously. But here's a tiny bit of backstory before that. Spider-Man's movie rights were up in the air for a while. I think Sony acquired them in the early 90s for definite. That would make sure. That because make sense, James yeah. Cameron was going to make one. Oh, old Jimbo. Now, we won't talk about it here because it, it'd be worth one time doing an episode maybe on films that never were. Better people, by which I mean people with more popular channels, have yeah. talked about the James Cameron Spider-Man movie at great length. Yeah, I think the best one for you to watch, really, that sticks to the plot stuff and doesn't dwell too much on the creepier aspects, go and watch the Comic Pop Back Issues episode yeah. on the James Cameron Spider-Man script, uh, and tell them we said hi. Uh, great channel, and they do a really good coverage on it. They focus briefly on the creepier stuff, but they don't do what everyone else does, where they just focus on the creepy moments. There is creepy moments. They talk about the plot and the whole plot, and nothing but the plot. Um, but James Cameron's Spider-Man was based on a script treatment written by, was it him and the guy who wrote T2? And it's yeah. fucking awful. Like, it sounds dreadful. It sounds really bad, and like, 
something written by someone who has not only has no reverence for Spider-Man, but no actual idea what Spider-Man is. Yeah, he, he uses characters, uh, like villains, but he doesn't use their names or backstories. He's obviously just gone, oh, I remember there being a guy with electric powers. Yeah, alright, our villain's called, like, Mr. Man, and he's the electric guy now. Oh, do you so, mean Electro? No, no, Mr. Man, Mr. Man, it's fine. He's the electric guy. Oh, right, okay, in, like, that's kind of his... In that respect, it sounds a lot like Spider-Man the Musical. Oh, what, um, turn off the dark. Turn off the dark. Yeah. Turn off the dark. <sighs> turn off the dark, which adopts, which adapts the plot, funnily enough, in both versions of the 2002 Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, <laughs> and then goes off on its own bastard tangents and fucks with it. But yeah, so Spider-Man nearly had a movie in the early 90s. There is a script out there if you want to read it. Go watch the comic pop video for some yeah, summary of what the hell it's, it's about. Terrible. It's because it wasn't. It wasn't a script. It was a treatment. Which is normally like maybe ten pages with but some script dialogue. Script. But James Cameron just like kept writing everything. Yeah, um, it's dreadful. Uh, Spidey was banded around again in the late nineties, but with no solid project attached to it. Then Blade did really well. Then X Men did really well. Yeah, remember Blade did well first. Yeah. <laughs> Reference to the future. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Spidey uh, came next after X Men, wasn't it? So X Men was nine. 2000. X-Men was 2000. And Spidey was 2002. Blade was 98, X-Men was 2000, Spidey was 2002. Yeah. But it was filming in early 2001 and marketing was out there by late oh, 2001. Oh, the, trail, the teaser trailer in late 2001 yeah. was a thing of beauty. So the first, we, we heard it was in production and I remember reading about it in early 2002 in a UK issue of Astonishing Spider-Man mm. where is, they did like a right up in the middle. They did a really rare thing that they never did where they had four pages in the middle yeah, yeah. that were just about the Spider-Man movie that well, was coming I, out I, I had the month. same thing a couple of years earlier because yeah. I had Essential X Men, nice. and that had stuff on the original X Men movie. Yeah, um, back and back when the first casting was announced, and Dude Gray Scott was playing Wolverine. Yeah, oh god, <laughs> who was the second choice? Yes, because Russell Crowe was the first. Dude Gray Scott was the second and was cast. Then it didn't work out for whatever Can reason. You imagine, Russell and then they Crow went back to Russell Crowe, and he said, "No, I'm doing something else." But you should talk to this Hugh Jackman guy. He recommended him. Huge. Ackman. Huge Ackman, which is hilarious when you watch it now and you watch him shirtless running down the corridors and then look at his figure like in sort of X-Men Origins Wolverine onwards. So it's like, much more. Huh. <laughs> so in the continuity of the films... Where has all your water gone, Hugh? In the continuity of the films, Wolverine... But he's supposed to retain a certain <laughs> amount of water! Oh, so you know, have you not heard him talk about that? And stuff? Before he knows he's going to do a shirtless scene, for about a day and a half before that, he drinks, uh, it's two days before he knows he's going to do a topless, like, filming. Yeah. He drinks a shit ton of water, and then exactly a day and a half before the shoot will begin, he stops drinking water, and he doesn't drink any. Um, and that's it. Like, he'll drink some liquids, but he won't drink water. And drink his own. Because obviously then, like, the muscles, like, they're not retaining any of it, so they just shrink around his muscles. He'll drink his own syrupy piss. <laughs> I just put it right in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, so- yeah, I bet you do. So, Spider-Man came out, and there was that beautiful teaser trailer in 2001, which, you know, understandably was taken out of circulation, and yeah. was never included on any of the DVDs. I think now, if they did, like, a special edition release it's, of that film... It's out there. They, yeah, they'd, yeah. Oh, it's on YouTube and stuff, yeah. but I think now, if they did a special edition release, they'd put it on, because enough might... time has passed. It's not on any of the DVD releases no. at all, yeah, because I, I was always... I never saw it for years. I'd heard about it, and I never saw it. No, no. And then, eventually, I saw it on YouTube, like, five, six years ago, I think. It's beautiful. It's, um... Uh, basically, it's a robbery in progress, and the guys are getting away in a helicopter off a roof, and it's a full like shot sequence. And they get in, it's a group of guys, and they've got the bags full of cash and everything, and they get in the helicopter and they're flying, and then suddenly the helicopter stops dead in like in dead air, and they, they don't know what to do. And they're like, "What the hell?" And they sort of like 
we're not moving, it's like we're not falling. They're really freaking out. And the camera pulls out to reveal the helicopters in a web. And it keeps pulling out to reveal that web is slap bang between the Twin Towers. Yeah. And it's this beautiful visual. Because you don't see, I think, I think then there's a couple little montage shots of like web hand, like from the film, like yeah. you sort of web coming out of the hand, like quick shot of the eye, like shot of him swinging that just says Spider-Man coming soon. And it's like, Oh my god, that looks amazing! We're finally getting a Spider-Man movie like 40 years after it was created. Because it was just 40 years after, wasn't it? 1962 uh, was uh, his yeah, debut. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, that's, that's, I mean, that's freaking amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Great trailer. Understandably dropped out of circulation a couple of months later yeah, because yeah. of the September 11th attacks. Um, but it, it was a beautiful trailer because it, it said so much about what the film was going to be like. It was like, this is a movie about New York mm. and a person who comes from New York and the mm. city of New York as a character in the movie. And that character part expanded as filming continued in the wake of the September 11 attacks. Um, New York became more of a character with a voice in the finished product. Yeah, most notably in the scene on the bridge toward the end which wasn't written that way till after September 11th. Sam Raimi was like, I think... Because New, New York had been in such a like downward spiral since it had happened, understandably. So yeah, it was a massive yeah. tragedy. But that sort of spirit of togetherness and support was always there and grew stronger as the earlier months of 2002 came about. So that scene was a reflection of that. It was them going, you can't, you cannot put us down. Like, we're, ne- we're not defeated. Cannot um, put down New York. Yeah, and you, me- you mess with one of you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And it's like that's why that's in there. Let's throw pipes at him. Where are we getting these fucking pipes from? Oh yeah, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us here on this bridge is falling apart. This bridge is full of pipes. <laughs> oh god, no! Um, pipes and bricks. Welcome to the pipe bridge, kids. <laughs> Spider Man. What are your first memories of Spider Man two thousand two? Good sir, kind sir. Pretty fucking good, don't it? I never saw it on in the cinema. I saw it in the cinema. I saw it. It's pretty fucking good. I saw it. A naughty video. <laughs> you saw the? Oh, you saw Triple X. Spy- <laughs> yeah, brown paperback. This ain't Spider Man. Triple X porn parody. Spider Man up in this hoe. Watch me crack that. Watch me roll. What? What was the upside down kiss like? Uh, oh God. <laughs> Messy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say he dangles and then he dangles a bit further down, but I think they did that in superhero movie, and I don't want to say that I came up with the same joke as oh, that film. Fucking, I've never, I've never seen. Superhero. It's also it's a remake of Spider Man, but with different gags and stupid. It's bullshit. Uh, the only funny thing in the enti- in the whole film is uh, Uncle Ben, or the, the equivalent of Uncle Ben, is played by Leslie Nielsen, and he doesn't oh, die because oh, he carries on throughout the movie because it's Leslie Nielsen. Um, but yeah, so. My first memory of it was watching it on a VHS with Chinese subtitles on the right side of the screen. Love it. Mm. I eventually, when the video came out in November 2002, mm. uh, we got it on video finally properly. Yeah. But then it came out on DVD as well, and I got the DVD for Christmas. It was it was one of my first DVDs that was yeah, mine. Yeah, I had it on DVD. A beautiful, freaking beautiful red box. Um, it was a sexy thing. And the big old, the, the pre-2003 12 logo in the corner that made it look so grown up. It looked so grown oh. up because it had that scary looking little 12 logo that was all sharp black and freaking weird. It was so strange. And then they all got soft and squishy in 2003 and they've been like, I never shimmed. But um, <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man. Oh, so you saw it in the cinema? Yeah. 
You saw it in the theatre. What was the atmosphere? Did you see it like opening weekend? Or I, honestly, I can't remember. Yay! Did it have Chinese subtitles? Old. This was fifteen years ago. You're older than time. I am older than time. But what? So why do I age? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, you're aging backwards. Can I remember seeing it in the cinema? Fuck no! Oh, I remember watching it a lot on DVD. And yeah, really, oh really liking it. And that soundtrack and Tobey Maguire being great. And Kirsten Dunst being... She's pretty good in the first Kirsten one. Kirsten Dunst. She's pretty good in the first one. Lots of down blouse shots in that. In the rain. There's a lot of nip. A lot of braless, a lot of braless Kirsten Dunst. Many a which, nip. Which, you know, as a teenager was, was, was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> lot of, uh, I like how you reversed then. Like your voice broke in reverse. It was pretty cool. Yeah. As a teenager, that's what I like to see. Son. Um, that's what I like to see, son. Spider-Man. Gotta watch those puns, son. Spider-Man is... Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Um, Are you sure you want to know? My story is not for the faint of heart. I'm not massively keen on those first couple of lines. But... I don't mind it. I'll tell you why. I see it as... Tell me for how. I see it as the, as, the, as the inner monologue boxes. Yeah. The film opens and no, closes. In fact, all three of them open and close yeah, yeah. with his inner monologue. And I always, I know the, I know the, the lines themselves are a bit like, why is he being this deep? Like, it's, what's it's no, going it's on? It's no Blade Runner. I'll, it's, yeah. It, it, it's not fucking dire, but like, it's like, just a bit. Webs in the rain. Um, but it's, you know, it's, fucking it's. That's great. That's it, a great one. Um, thank you. I wrote it myself just uh, <laughs> So the thing, the thing with all the, all the Rainy movies. Yeah. To a, three to a lesser extent because of studio intervention, but. All the Raimi movies are distillations mm. of everything that's great about 60s and early 70s Spider-Man. Yes, because that's his era. That yeah. was the era Sam Raimi religiously he, read these books. It's what he loved, and so he took that, he took everything he loved about it, and he bundled it up and he put it on screen. Until until we got the MCU stuff, it was basically the most faithful adaptation mm. of comics uh, and specifically, specifically of Peter Parker as well. Yeah, like this the is the colours of it, mm. the tone of it. Like it's, it's just a beautiful thing, and it's fun, and it's funny, and and that's why it worked in the early two yeah. thousands as well. Because yes, it was the sixties sensibility, but it that was drawing on the core of what people like about the character, even if they don't yeah. realise it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, the same way people go, oh, Superman's kind of dumb, and then you show them, the, you know, you show them the 70s flick, and even if they're like, oh, it's still kind of stupid, you'll find they'll go, oh, I mean, he was, he was, he was pretty cool. Do you know what I mean? Because there's something about those takes on it mm-hmm. that, that appeals to what you fell in love with when you first found these characters and these stories. Um, and let, I mean, let's, let's just start with talking about Sam Raimi. I wasn't. I was. I wasn't old enough to like hear the buzz about this. I also wasn't old enough to know who Sam Raimi was when the first movie came out. Really. I had seen Darkman, <clears throat> but, but I yeah. hadn't connected the dots. Because <laughs> you have Liam Neeson yelling at a fairground. Um, I, I, like I'd seen Darkman, <laughs> and I was vaguely aware of Evil Dead, but I hadn't seen it at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, I knew the name Evil Dead at the age because I remember it being mentioned in. In the magazine article on Astonishing well, Spider-Man, I, I, I was I, like, I know what that is, but I've never seen it because obviously I was like eleven. I, I so. was a regular reader of like SFX and things like that. So ah, I, I, there I, you I go. Didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't seen a lot of those because I didn't buy a lot of <laughs> the first SFX I ever bought. Yeah. Are James Masters on the cover, and he was covering the bottom of the F. And the uh, attendant at Morrison's refused to sell it to me because he was sort of like, um, like open shirted yeah, on the yeah, cover. And Mark. she thought yeah. she thought it was a Sex Magazine. She refused to sell it to me because I was like thirteen. 
I was like, no, it's SFX. I was opening the contents page to show her SFX, the logo. And she was like, no, 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 put it back, put it back. And she told me to leave the store. You should have got Starburst instead. Spunk burst, probably like someone's head just over the. Um, oh god! But yeah, so so you you were aware of Raimi's work, even I, I if you was, hadn't I seen it at that of point. Work. Yeah. I hadn't. I was like, horror dude, Spider Man. <gasps> but apparently, the majority of the reaction within like the comic book fan bases was, "Oh, that's awesome!" Because Sam Raimi was very much known as a guy who loved film. Loved wacky shit, loved like dark shit. His violence is very like you feel punches connect in his well, movies. I mean, you feel freaking chainsaws going through arms Evil in his Dead movies. Evil Dead Two is slapstick. Oh yeah, it, it's the three Sto- right. it's the three Stooges meets The Exorcist. Yeah, like it's, swap, it's terrifying and it's hilarious. Pies yeah, for lots and lots of blood, and that's Evil Dead Two. Uh, one of my favorite slapstick sequences in any movie is Bruce Campbell fighting his possessed hand. Oh, so good. So good. Because he plays it like a clown. It's amazing. Um, and also, like, Ash has gone doolally at that point. He's been driven insane by, like, the two days he spent alone in the cabin since the first one. And he's gone absolutely batshit nuts. So he's not taking it seriously beyond, like, little moments of panic. Right to the point where he decides to defeat his possessed hand by cutting it off. Because, of course, that's how you defeat it. And he doesn't even... It, there's no, like sign of him being in pain or terror that he's doing it because he's just like who's laughing now like this Sam Raimi's a filmmaker who like liked to have fun with whatever genre he did so apparently the fan reaction when Spider-Man was announced and he was announced was like oh wow really wait wait they're giving Sam Raimi big blockbuster money what's going on okay let's see Rewatching the first two over the last couple of days, I've noticed that my god, yeah, there is a lot of Evil Dead in the first two movies. <laughs> it's tucked there's away some, in there. There's um, some Os- Osborne, Osborne's almost completely dead eye white eyes when he first comes back up yeah, from the formula yeah. and grabs Strom and says our favourite a- accidental catchphrase in the podcast. The formula <laughs> just chucks him out of the thing. Like, but the fact that the seriousness of that scene where like he's going to do a human yeah, trial on yeah. himself, and yet they take a second for when the metal straps put over him for him to just go, oh, it's cold. Like, they just take little moments like that to make you go, <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? Because like, normally they wouldn't do that. Normally any other person making a blockbuster wouldn't do that moment. They'd be like, no, dra- drama, it's got to be scary. And it's like, no, it's fucking cold. He's going to say it's cold. I love the moment where the gas starts coming to the chamber and he looks down and his face just drops. Because he's like, what am I doing? <sighs> yeah. That's a wonderful moment. Oh, God, the, 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 mo- so the moment good. just before his death. There's an entire YouTube video about the edit of that moment where the yeah, glider's yeah. about to hit him and they just took a set, that, that one cut of him going, Oh, and then it hits him. Yeah, and it hits him twice. Twi- like that shot happens twice: once from the front, once from the blade going through the brick. Yeah, in quick succession to double the impact of. Yeah, no, he's just been stabbed through the gut. Like, double he, he's double dead. impact, like with John Claude Van Damme. Bloody hell, I knew you were going to say that. You swine. So Sam Raimi's on board. Um, this movie is kooky, but it's also very sweet, and it's I would argue like. Sort of like the latter half of Superman the movie. It's a romance movie. It's a movie about yeah. romance and, and about of, love. And it kind of feels like... Specifically stupid teenage love. It kind of feels like a Superman for the 2000s. Yes! It's yes, like it's, got, it's got like that old school <clears throat> sensibilities. It's got a very strong moral um, compass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a very, a very righteous hero. 
even if he is a little bit confused about his place in the world. And he has yeah. that, he has a bit more darkness to him with the, with the guilt he feels over the death of Uncle Bird. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and again, um, let's touch on that quick. Cliff Robertson and Rosemary oh, Harris. Very good. Perfect casting good. for Ben and May. Perfect and, but, and casting. Not, but not modern Ben and May, 60s and 70s Ben and May. Yeah. Like, like the, just the, the old, like you proper know. elderly Aunt May, not the, yeah. the, the younger Aunt May that were more used. Even in even in the six one six, she's sort of skewed to be a more a bit younger a and bit, a bit hipper, a bit yeah, a bit hipper. Whereas like like she's currently sort of written and illustrated to be more closer to maybe like her late sixties. Yeah, so she's she's getting on, but she's not stopped yet. Like Whereas she's still in, doing lots in of stuff. Original sixties comic, she's just fucking ancient. She's drawn like a fucking matchstick with a chin. <laughs> she's like... like she looks like if she fell over, she would light on fire and combust in two seconds, yeah, and then she, just be gone. She's like, she, she's like Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep, and death becomes her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's true. <laughs> um, she, she's an elderly. She's an old crone. But, <laughs> a lovable character, but sort of that was part of the setup of that story back then. Was she's like, you know, um, do you need some water, cockle? <laughs> no, I'm good. I just need a second to gather myself. Go on then, gather it, gather it loud. Oh, you <laughs> spat out a Rosemary Harris. Oh, I wonder where that's been. <laughs> she's wonderful in this role. Yeah, and she continues to be wonderful throughout all three of the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cliff Robertson as well throughout all three of the movies. What? Yeah, because obviously he appears in sort of dream sequences and flashbacks in the second and third. And it's a nice little nod. Because in the comics, there's moments where he sort of reflects and he's sort of talking to Uncle Ben in his head sometimes yeah. and things yeah. like that. So it's nice that they did stuff like that. And I think it's also because Raimi was like, Cliff Robertson's amazing. I don't just want him to have been in the first 30 minutes of the first he's got movie. Great face. Cliff Robertson's really great. Good face. He's one of those actors who I want to go back and see more of his filmography in general. Um, because he's yeah, yeah. just brilliant. He's in a lot of fifties television. He's in one of my favorite episodes of The Twilight Zone. He's, he's the he's the ventriloquist of the episode, The Dummy. Oh, he's brilliant. He's absolutely okay. brilliant. I want I want to I see to watch them all Twilight Zone. Oh, mate, we'll have to. Have a, we'll, we'll, we'll... I'm way more familiar with like the Outer Limits from the nineties than I am with Twilight. Oh, you'll Zone. love Twilight Zone then, because the, the the skeleton of all those shows that came. Oh, about yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, that's where it is. Yeah. <clears throat> it's brilliant. It's just it's just a masterclass in like twenty five minute drama. It's so good. But Spider Man, um, but Spider Man's book. Um, they take a shortcut it's in this. Tight in a tight little dresses like a spider, <laughs> acts like a bug. Uh, we should all just give him one big hug. Look out! Woo! Here goes the Spider Man. Which that song appears in? I can't remember if it appears in number three, but it definitely appears in um one and two. The sixties theme appears in one and two. In number one, it's that during the montage. That guy also, sings. That guy sings in a bastardized version. Then in number two, the lady on the violin just starts plucking yeah. the violin, singing it really shrilly. And, but also and it's Tobey Maguire's. The, fa- and we'll, we'll, we'll do, we will soundtrack. have an entire chat about Tobey Maguire's facial expressions on the soundtrack for the first one. It, there's an Aerosmith version of the sixties. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Let's talk about oh, the Spider-Man it. soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Let's talk about. It's got the first appearance of Corey Jack Taylor's. Rogus. Well, we'll get to that. It's got the first appearance of Corey Jesus Taylor's breeze, face. which since has been attributed to Slip. Uh, bother, sorry, which bother, has since yeah, been attributed yeah. to Slipknot, Stone Sour. And other people, but it's like, no, 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 Corey Taylor did it first as Corey Taylor for the Spider-Man soundtrack in 2002. It's a pretty good fucking song. It's a great song. And it's a great soundtrack. And I will, I will, I'm going to do it. I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to defend Hero. Hero! 
do do. Um, fucking it's, hell, mate. It's a good song. Oh, it's not a great song. It's a fucking dirge. But, but well, we did get Bring Me to Life out of it. Because you know Bring Me to Life would have been on the Daredevil soundtrack. With that yeah, movie, that's true. That is very hero. true. Um, but also, uh, on the soundtrack, Heroes on the soundtrack. It was the single for the film. Yeah. And it's on the soundtrack. But you know what isn't on the soundtrack? The only song that features in the film, Macy Gray's Nutty Nutmeg Fantasy. Isn't it? It's not on the soundtrack. It should be. I'm, 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 I'm sure it is. Let's pull it up. I'm sure it isn't because I, I remember being sort of annoyed that it wasn't there to listen to. I'm sure I'm bringing it up now. It's on my iTunes because I, I own the soundtrack to one and two because at the time I got it because I'm a Spider-Man fan and I just wanted to have it. And now I'm so glad I did because the music for those two films pretty great. Well, it's Danny Elfman, isn't it, mate? Well, yeah, all, yeah also, even, even on the album, like the soundtrack album, the OST, they include on both of them two bits of the score as tracks as well. Because, I mean, come on, that theme... Danny Elfman, in terms of superhero themes, at this point, had given us Batman. Yeah. And, like, that triumphant march that is still the best ba- music for Batman ever. Hands down. I want to call it triumphant. I think, it's, I think it's got a dark edge to it. You've got a dark edge to it. Son! Not, my tan just went wrong. <laughs> Spray tan line is just a bit, you know, just a bit off. You can't say that. You can say that. Um, so Especially under the eyes. I just don't sleep enough. <laughs> you having a moment? Yeah, I think so. I like it. Never stop. Um, um, so what? I'm trying to find compilations. They've just, bloody, oh, it'd be under artists, wouldn't just it? Just search um, Spider-Man. Search your Spider-Man right. in a minute. Um, so yeah, um, I don't think it is. Because it's, it's a fun moment. It it's the one moment that really dates the movie. <laughs> when Macy Gray was Macy there. Gray! Uh, Are you sh- I'm sure it's on there. Oh, it's it is! A- yeah! <laughs> My superior knowledge of the Spider-Man soundtrack from 2002 wins out over yours, you rube. Why did I not think it was on I know I didn't think it was on there. Because you're an idiot. No, because in my head I was like, one of the songs from the movie isn't on there. No, I'm thinking of number two. But Raindrops isn't on the soundtrack for number two. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Even though it's the one moment in that second movie where it has, like, a song playing. What? Although it also plays at one point Ordinary by Train. No, not Ordinary by Train. Shit. What is it that he plays in the second movie? Oh, my God. Oh, God. For you to hold on to... I can't remember what that song is now. Point is... Is it taking back Sunday? I don't know. The point is... The point is, at some point in the first Spider-Man movie, this shit plays... (laughs) Uh... <laughs> Come on, Macy Gray. Come on. Yeah, we got to talk over it, though. Yeah, go out there and buy a Spider-Man official soundtrack on Amazon or it's somewhere. It's pretty good. Just, just skip over here. It's right pretty now. sweet. There we go. There's a there's a trailer. Um, um so <laughs> uh, it's it it's a great soundtrack. It's a great score. Um. I mean, I don't. If we spend too long, we'll we'll talk about these till the cows come around. I want, I want to make sure we talk about all three. Um, so let's just let's pick some highlights. The casting of Tobey Maguire is inspired. I think Tobey Maguire is really good in these. Two. Because and a lot in of these go, two movies, no, I would argue. I, I would argue. I would argue he's just as good in the third. The but problem he has, he has is some weird shit to do. The problem is the '60s mentality Spider-Man 
doesn't work with what the studio made them do in the yeah. third one. Yeah. Um, because what should have been a trip down a darker path for Peter Parker instead was a trip down a nerd's version of a darker path God, for Peter it was, Parker. it was so bad. But we'll get to that. But Maguire goes for it. Like, oh, Maguire's yeah. going for it. I don't movie. think you can never really fault Tobey mm. Maguire on going for people, it. Like... People go, oh, the Spider-Man cries all the time. Yes, of course he does. He's a dorky little kid. He's a dorky kid who dresses up in pyjamas. His and... uncle slash adoptive father has just died. He's been yelled at by Bruce Campbell, the ring announcer, for having a dumb name. Bonesaw was ready. Bonesaw was ready. Bonesaw was ready. He had him for three minutes, all right? Three minutes of please time. Bonesaw's a great addition. Um, Bonesaw okay. McGraw is... Ron, oh God, the, late, the, the, Macho the late... The great Savage, Macho yeah. Man Randy Savage. Playing Bonesaw McGraw, a replacement for Crusher Hogan. But I believe... Oh, yeah. I believe Bonesaw was brought into another iteration at some point. I think One he, of the other origins uses Bonesaw McGraw instead of Crusher Hogan. Because might, obviously people... It's either, the, it's either Ultimate or... No, ultimate, ultimate, was, ultimate was before, so I think Ultimate was Crusher Hogan still. Yeah, but I think they might um, have took, taken Bonesaw from all... Because he takes some cues from Ultimate, even though it's very... Re- like, it was yeah. just coming out at the time this was starting filming. Yeah. Because, um, like, the genetically altered spider. Yeah, the super spider. Well, that was, that was a Ultimate Spider-Man thing. Yeah. No radio, no radiation for this. Yeah, that's true. It's genetically altered super spiders. Uh, the one fault of the movies, I suppose, is they never go back to explain that, but you don't miss it, so it doesn't really matter. They never go back to explain it, yeah, and it doesn't. I don't think it, really it doesn't. Matters. It doesn't really matter. There's no secret origin. There's no fucking coins that open hidden train labs. Oh, next week, we'll get to that like, next week. Like, um, <sighs> you don't like, yeah. <sighs> spider bites him. Something's weird about. It's a funky spider. Funky spider bites hey, him. Hey, he had he a bite. Powers. It's okay. He had a bite. Is there any change? Yeah. It's a good change. <laughs> I'm buff now. He's buffing. He wakes up buffing. And they give him organic web shooters. Yeah, as a bit of a shortcut. Raimi yeah. said that was literally just a shortcut to the powers and exploring the powers. Um, and that's fine. Which, no. which makes sense. Because again, like I think, in, I think in Amazing Fantasy XV, the original comic, he does make them as part of his wrestling gimmicks. He's got them when he's a wrestler. Yeah, he does, yeah. Um, which doesn't make sense. Why would he do that? He wouldn't. It's so, just part of his gimmick, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, other iterations about it is that he does that after, when he finally decides he's going to be a crime fighter, he creates them based on stuff. Ultimate Spider-Man did it as well, like it was based on stuff his dad had been working on. And, one of the and he just like carries on with it. Amazing Spider-Man, the movie, is that yeah. he makes them. I like, I although, like he he makes, them. although he nicks them from Oscorp. He nicks the material. Yeah, so how does he learn how to make it? Or does he just keep popping back periodically and nicking it? Is he like, Gwen, could you pocket some of that well, shit for me? He doesn't steal it, your does it. And then is it like, Gwen, is it like their equivalent of nicking office supplies? Like, Gwen Stacy just nicks little silver cartridges. Put a pin in this discussion. Okay. We'll get to it when we get to amazing. Okay. Alright? Tom McGuire is great. He's a believable dork. He's absolutely lovable. He doesn't He doesn't quip enough in the suit, but that's the script. That's not Toby McGuire. Um, and also, like... But the suit looks good, man. 60 Spider-Man isn't as quippy as you remember. Yeah. Is well, he, well like... he, he, he's, he's joking stuff, but usually at the moments of like, ha, oh, there you go. Yeah. Like, I've defeated the villain now. Here's my, here's my quip at them to rub it in their faces. It's mostly internal thoughts. Yeah, he's a smart ass, but he's not like the modern day version of Peter Parker, where he's a yammering smart ass who does it to distract you. Yeah. But he, is a, he does smart off, but he's not constantly talking. Um, Mary Jane is sort of an amalgam of, I guess... <coughs> A couple of characters, like she's a bit, because Mary Jane in the comic books um, 
is in their high school. She comes to their high school late in their high school time, doesn't she? She's a late um, addition. No, I don't. Because Anna's, Anna's, Anna's yeah, she's transferring to New York. Uh, no, she's moving in with her aunt Anna. College, isn't she? I don't think. No, it's pre-college. It's pre-college because she's moving in with her aunt Anna. Yeah, but he and, doesn't, he doesn't, uh, oh, does she come there for she, college? She doesn't, right, she doesn't yeah. appear until she doesn't appear because John Romita's senior designed her. Yes, he did. Good and point. he wasn't yeah. and he wasn't drawing that book until Peter was in college. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because um, and the reason I'm getting confused because she makes friends with everybody. I was like, oh, she yeah, was like because she transfers to she lives with her aunt. That's another thing the Raimi movies never do. Aunt Anna isn't in the Raimi movies at all. No, no. Um, it focuses... Well, it, it, it does Ultimate, then. That's where it draws from Ultimate as well, because Mary Jane lives at home with the mum and dad. Yeah. Um, her abusive dad. Her abusive dad. Although in the comics, I think they make that a little more loose. It's a little more like, he's a dick, but she avoids him on purpose because of that. And I think eventually he get. If I remember, I'm going to have to reread those comics. Oh, what a shame. I'm going to have to reread my favourite comic book series of all time. Oh, no! Um, I think I think he gets like kicked out of the house or something by the mum at one point. I, I've, it's been so long since I've read Ultimate, yeah. I have no idea. Um, but like, so in the comics, she, she moves in with her Aunt Anna... And she's now next door. She's the girl next door in the literal sense. And she's an absolute bombshell. And it's like, oh my god, this girl's amazing. And it's like, bombshell! We've been, been set up on a date and I'd been in that 60s sort of way, terrified that she was going to be a minger. And it's I like, think... oh no, she's amazing! And then they have like one date or whatever and it's kind of awkward and hilarious. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I think we should... No, I don't think this is for it's us. Still with but Gwen we should be friends. Point, I, I don't know. I think he was parted from Gwen at that point because yeah. Anna and May were setting them up on a date. Well, Gwen was still alive. Gwen was when still was around, absolutely. Because yeah, yeah. I think he was with Gwen, then they did break up and then they got back together, if I remember correctly. Uh, because, yeah, because MJ's like, look, I'm going to get you back with Gwen. Like, you, you two are perfect together you should be together and because she tries to double date with Harry and and then Gwen decided she needed another break oh nice oh too soon 45 years too soon oh 40 years she is put me um, out I'm on fire baby cakes um so yeah, like MJ in this is sort of an amalgam of like she's a bit of Gwen Stacy, she's a bit of Liz Allen, you know. She's 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 basically she's she's less of a like a, she's straight up girl next door. Yeah, she's less of a bombshell and more of a girl next door type. Yeah, um, um, they try and take her into her acting modelling roots in the sequels, and it's a varying degrees of success. Well, she, yeah, she's she's never really a supermodel. Like no, she is in the no, comic. she's like a she's, sort of sort of like perfume model yeah, kind of thing yeah. and stuff. She's, a, she's um, an actress first, but still in a way that by the time you get to number two, you're like, yeah, Peter, you're out of your depth. You need to start actually paying attention and, yeah. and being there for her because yeah, it's yeah. getting to the point where she's going to meet. I don't know, like, God, she could be dating an astronaut if she wanted to. Either um, that or just <laughs> there's the cute girl next door who clearly has a thing for you. Yeah, so just deal with that. Oh, his face. One of my favorite moments of the whole bloody film. Is when Spider Sense like first goes off and he catches her when she slips in the in the canteen. Oh god! And he gets the train. He catches all the falling food, and she goes like, "Wow, like great reflexes, thanks." And he sort of like straightens her up, and they, they both stand up. She goes like, "Oh, you have like blue eyes. I, I never really could tell, you know, without your glasses. Did you get contacts?" And he just sort of looks at her with this dopey grin, like, <laughs> "Is you know, his inner thoughts are just like she's talking to me." And she just looks at him, but she doesn't go like, ugh, weirdo. She's just like, um, okay, well, thanks, uh, bye. <laughs> and she takes a lunch and walks off. And he just gets this look, he sits back down, he's got this look on his face of like, oh, God, like, that right. was it. Something that was the way in for a conversation. so much in these movies. 
without saying anything. His facial expressions are wonderful. And people will go, yeah, like when he's holding the train or oh, he's weeping so, over Uncle Ben. Yeah, I'm sorry. So good, how though. would your face look if you were holding a fucking it's train? It's so good. Like, he's oh not, my God. The great thing about Tom McGuire in these movies is he's not afraid to look ugly on screen. Yeah, because that's the thing as well. Like, Spidey isn't like, you know, you're, you're square-jawed, handsome, like, oh, I'm Spider-Man. He's, he's a dorky little dude, kid. Like, he's handsome. Oh, I'm not denying that like, he's, a good, he's a good looking guy, but he's not like, Hollywood yeah. handsome. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's not. He's not like. He thinks he's a, he's a terrible, unlovable nerd. Yeah. He's actually pretty handsome. Yeah. It's his, it's himself that kind yeah. of makes like him way, un- oh, yeah. makes him unavailable. I mean, his idea of looking kind of suave in the second in the raindrops montage, <laughs> like him skipping along, he just looks hilarious. But yeah. But he thinks he's like that's him going. Yeah. I'm feeling great. I'm looking sharp. And it's like you just look so adorably <laughs> stupid. <laughs> just look it's like brilliant. Um. The wrestling sequence is grey, uh, although it's got a joke that really hasn't aged well. Like, yeah, that's a nice yeah. outfit. Did your husband give it to you? It's yeah. like, well, what you're doing there is you play, like, okay, you could look at it this way, that he's playing off the uh, homophobia of Bonesaw McGraw. It's just, but it's, it's, it's like, just oh, an oh, Spidey, really? Yeah. Like, it's an age joke. Yeah, it's like, like in the mid-2000s, people would be like, oh, that is so gay. And, no one would say anything about it being yeah. like a derogatory thing at all. No one would question it. And well, now, people would, now when people say that, you saw. Would, yeah. Now when you say that, you're like, really? Yeah, really? Yeah. Are you gonna really say that? Um, so that's great. Bruce Campbell is the ring announcer. He gives him his name, which is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> he's a human spider. That sucks. <laughs> James Franco's pretty great in this movie. James Franco. and in the second movie and in the third movie, actually, that's he's very watchable in all three of them. So good. So. <laughs> so these movies have spawned a million gifs. There are so many gifs. There in are these so movies. many great facial expressions across all of these films. Now, before we move into the second film and a specific character who follows through as well throughout all of them, let's talk about the first movie's villain. The biggest crime this movie makes is casting Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin and then covering his scary ass face up. Because Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn is a great choice. Oh, man. He's oh, great as Osborn. He's believably detached from his son. There's references, I think, to... Um... No, there's no references in the movie to, to Mrs. Osborn. Yeah, there there is. Is there somewhere? Yeah. Like... He's, he's, <clears throat> when, he's, when he's having a go at, at, at um, Harry. At Harry for, for Mary Jane, he's like, they're, they're, they're all oh, the yeah, same just... They're all the same. Yeah, yeah, Your yeah, mother yeah. was get, like that. Get, get what do you want from her then, Bruma fast. Yeah. And you're like, oh god, yeah. So there's, so there's the reference to the, the is now. I believe left. I might be wrong, but I believe again they took their cues from Ultimate in the novelization, which I own somewhere. So I'm going to have to dig it out and find out. They take their cues in the novelization and at least in the original draft of the script. Yeah. When he first goblins out, he comes back to the home and apparently kills her. Now oh. I imagine they trimmed that for time. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's an extra subplot. It's um, a big thing to fucking trim for time, though. Well, I, I, they never shot it. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Like oh, they, 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 they removed well, okay, it, yeah, but, yeah. but it, it, I'm sure it. I'm sure it remained in the novelization. Um, Which makes that line a lot darker, then, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, because oh. it means their recent, his recently deceased mother was a gold digger. Yeah, uh, but then again, in that moment, he is being like he's goblin. Yeah, he is he's goblin in yeah. a dinner suit at that moment. Um, terrible table manners. Because in the Ultimate Comics, that's what happens when he first transforms. He goes back home, and the yeah, first thing yeah. he does is burn down the home. Because he's got firepowers. Yeah, I like the ultimate version. Yeah, like, it, it's I, I do prefer Evil Businessman, but some storytellers do some great stuff with him. Some fuck it up. I just royally. like him on his on his 
rocket room with his yeah, with his satchel, <laughs> with his bag of tricks. Yeah, before, before he has before he has the the glider in the comics. He yeah, has the broom. he's got the broom. He's got freaking broom. Um, so good. I think it was a smart decision to <clears throat> go like right. So in this universe, Oscorp aren't the ones who made the spiders. So that inspiration has changed from Ultimate. Mm. Um, in this one, Oscorp are making military tech, and the thing they're working on currently is a flight suit and a glider for combat. And performance enhancers. Performance enhancing drugs and everything, um, and, oh, there's the, I can't remember the name of the other company, but the other company... Quest that, Aerospace. Quest Aerospace, that's it. They're developing, like, a flight and missile suit as well. Which looks clunky as fuck. It looks hilarious. But the general really doesn't like Norman Osborn. Yeah, so he got, doesn't he's got care. beef against Osborn. <laughs> Your products are clearly superior, but I don't like you, so I'm going to give the contract to this inferior product. Yeah. And then the horrible accident happens at Quest Aerospace. Oh, yes, the <clears throat> quote-unquote horrible, horrible accident. accident. Scare quotes. <laughs> Um, so Oscorp's stare, like sh- uh, shares and stock and everything go up, yeah. And then his board of directors go, yeah. Well, because of what's happened to Quest Aerospace, uh, they're planning uh, a merger slash takeover. So they're proposing to buy Oscorp, and we're going to say yes. Uh, so you're out. <laughs> like out the- am I? <laughs> So Osborne goes nuts on the chemical. He kills Strom, oh, who is a character so from the comics good. as well. Strom, well, that's the thing. Strom's a character from the '90s comic book, so I think that was somebody on the script treatment going, "Oh, we may as well make him yeah, a character use, from the comics." Use character name who you can. Uh, Strom, look, Strom's the guy who who does stuff do, like helps set up Norm's dirty deeds toward the end of the Clone Saga. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's, he's an employee for him and stuff, but he's also been given, like, powers, if I remember correctly. He, like, does, like, beams that he shoots out of his hands and stuff yeah. at that point. He's the one who, I think, helped with the carrying off of the plan to take away their baby and things like that. Oh, so he's... no one ever came back to ever again. No, no, no. Of course not. Uh, well, you don't have to brand new death, I suppose, do you? Then, ha- then, then Howard Mackie came along and was like, I'm oh. writing Spider-Man now. And then J. Matheson came along and saved the book from Howard Mackie. Yeah, and then put it in a weird place toward the end. Yeah, and then well. it tried to save itself, which sort of worked, but alienated so many readers, and then eventually it settled on something good. So it was like, oh, thank God. But we'll get to that yeah. in a future episode. <laughs> um so yeah, Osborne and Strom. There's a bunch of little characters dotted in this as well. Um, Peter is apparently working for Connor's lab. Yeah. Uh, because he says, like, I was late and Dr. Connor's fired me. Implying that during his summer between high school and college yeah, starting, yeah, yeah. he's doing some work, as we find out in the second one, at the university. Yeah. Um, because by the second one, we're like, oh, Connor's is a tutor at, at the university. All right, so that's what he was doing. You're brilliant, but lazy. Brilliant, but lazy. Um, Eddie Brock's mentioned. And I only noticed this on my rewatch yesterday. Eddie's mentioned. Eddie's me- Oh, it's Eddie Brock. It's Eddie Brock. No. They threw in a reference. No, because they could have mentioned Yurik. They could have mentioned Leeds. They could have said any other bugle-related oh, name. They could have said any other, on it. They could have said any other bugle-related name, but Joe Robertson... No, it was Neddy. It's just a bad edit. Jo- it's a bad dub. Joe Robbie Robertson says, in that moment, Eddie's been on it for weeks. We can barely get a picture of the guy. And what I like about that is that Sam Raimi or someone on script level going, there, there's your Venom reference. Now can we stick to the 60s, please? Yes. <laughs> Little did they know. Uh, so, James Jameson talking to Robbie Robertson, talking to Peter Parker, talking to Betty Brand. 
Oh god, that so entire scene! So many and, alliterative names! I can't remember what his name is, but uh, Ted Raimi's character. Uh, it it's such a fun little addition. It's not alliterative, but it's fine. It's a fun little addition. I like his character. Just like this one reporter or one guy in the office who's basically... I think he's like a deputy. He's on the receiving end of Jonah's paddle every time. We will get to Jameson, don't worry. We'll talk about him in a minute. Oh god. <laughs> Meat! Send you a nice Christmas... <laughs> That's going to meet. Um, but the Green Goblin, before we leave, so um, they play with it as a Jekyll and they play with it as a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. At first, and then it becomes apparent as the film goes on that no, that's just him now. This yeah. is him, uh, even though he convincingly plays away from it at with the, the end. Mask in the mirror, which part? Oh, the heart, Osborne. First, we attack his heart because he just he just becomes like. He's a supervillain. Seemingly evil, like properly supervillain. And the only thing holding him back from being like up there in the echelons of forever praised, like like the top five comic book cinematic villains, sort of thing. The thing keeping him out of that is that you can't see his face. Yeah, like it, it, it I, sucks and there that they did that. Tests, weren't there? For there a, were. Uh, Adi worked yeah. on on it in the early stages, and there's this footage of. Um, of uh, Tom Woodruff Jr. under under the prosthetics, yeah. like practicing it with animatronic brow and eyes, like a proper uh, comic accurate go- green goblin. Scary, thing. but at the same time the eyes were lenses, so they could fold up and reveal eyes underneath. Yeah. So I guess it was that thing of they they obviously thought, well, if we're going to make it a tech suit, how do we explain his green fleshy face? Oh, fuck it. Do you know what we're going to go full tech? And they obviously yeah. went that way. They give him a mask motif. They make it so that in the Osborne um, apartment because he owns like the top like eight floors of a building. And it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's basically a mansion on top of a skyscraper. Because why not? Because uh, it's a good setting, I suppose. It's yeah. an interesting set piece. Um, but they cover it in masks. He's got like tribal masks everywhere, and he's got different ones. And, and there are you don't get a big shot of them, but there are a couple of like more techie kind of ones, like ones that's right, more, more like modern. We all wear masks. Metaphorically speaking, no, literally, actually, oh, no, literally oh, wearing masks. Oh, we do. Oh, mask that somehow he has the back of and the neck for as well. But he goes with the goblin mask. So it, it sort of makes sense. Like, it's a tribal thing mixed in with technology. And they do at least have a couple scenes where he has the, the lenses off his eyes and the mesh from the mouth away so you can see his mouth. And, and you stuff. can kind of see his mouth, his face through the mouth of the mask as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a good looking, it's a good looking Imagine mask. what we could accomplish together. It's a good looking what mask we could build. just miss his face. Or we could destroy. Cause the death of countless innocents again and again and again till we're both dead. Is that really what you want? Stop cock-blocking me, Spider. <laughs> you and the Daredevil are a bunch of cock-blockers. <laughs> Think about it, hero! Uh, I mean, he's great. It's sea bit sea spider went up the water spout. He's just so... He just... He just Raimi did it any... first. Simpsons yeah. did it first. It, it, it gives up any, like, sort of... Down came the goblin! <laughs> just any, any sort of pretense at being good, like, any duality within him. And just is, mm. just goes fully until the very, very end, where he's got that that great "Don't tell Harry." Moment. Yes, that is beautiful really because good. suddenly the Norman who actually gives a shit about his son appears for a second, and it's either because he cares about what Harry thinks or because he's trying to save his own ass in his, in his son's eyes. Yeah. Um, well, that's the same thing as caring what he thinks. It's a more selfish moment. Well, well I, d- I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's because he's like, I don't want Harry to know, like, this is what I became. Yeah. Or if it's more like, oh, shit, no, don't tell him. 
like he'll think I'm a loser because you beat me. Like I don't quite know where Angle is coming from. Yes, yes. Um, because he's pure evil at that point. Pure. Um, thank God for you. Those <laughs> eyes, yellow eyes. Um. Oh God. I mean. Oh, just <laughs> let die the woman you love, or suffer the little children. Just, it's so. So scene chewing, I fucking love it. He's great, just like the the. Oh, he's so good. The suit, his suit. If we just accept the mask for what it is, pretty cool design. Yeah, really I, nice. I, I like some movement in the face, but that, I feel the mask itself is a pretty cool. Yeah, design. pumpkin bombs are great. Yeah. Um, Spidey suit looks great. Let's talk about as we transition into the second movie, the man in the suit, the man behind the desk, the man with the tash with the oh hoagie. My God. With the stress relief pills, let's talk about the freaking beauty that is J.K. Simmons as J. John and Jameson. Arguably, One of the most perfect <clears throat> pieces of casting, yeah, in cinema history. A video I've wanted to do for a while for my YouTube channel, and I might retool it for a big damn video at some point, has been perfect comic book castings. Um, and the ones that I noted down so far, in terms of just like absolutely spot on, I was trying to narrow it down to five, and the only two that are in that five at the moment are Christopher Reeve as Superman mm-hmm. and J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. Because he's... I mean, people always say the cliche is always like, it's like he's leapt right off the page. Yes, he has. This is J. Jonah Jameson. This is the so version you remember, cool. specifically, I think, influenced by the 60s cartoon. That's the Jameson we're dealing with. Yeah. And I think it's going to be so long before we get round <clears throat> There's a to reason Amazing one. didn't attempt. Yeah. There's a reason he's not been announced as being in Homecoming. It's like, how the fuck do you follow that? Yeah. You can't. The closest you can do, the most respectful thing you can do, unless you've found an interesting way to do it, is to just not do it. Yeah. It's too tough an act to follow. Um, Because Jameson is, at least to the public at large, that and he personified it perfectly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could do other things with Jameson. You could go with more sort of stuff that's happened in the comics since. You could have Jameson be the mayor of New York and just make it that he's more just of a blowhard. You know, I mean, a little while ago, I was, I was sort of... I was in a conversation. I was trying to... We were trying to fantasy stunt cast him. And I said, like, now that Amazing doesn't exist, get um, Dennis Paul, Leary. I say Paul Giamatti. A little, a little angry Jameson. Yeah, but I don't know. He's a little more gentle to me. A little um, more genteel. Um, like Dennis Leary. Slap a tash on Dennis Leary. Let him go for it. Now that he's not being creepy ghost Captain Stacy. Creepy ghost dad. <laughs> ghost dad. Um, um, you know what I mean? Like he'd be yeah. an interesting one. Or, or you know. Uh, I think the problem is. The only way you could get away with him now. Without making people physically sick. Is if he was the newspaper editor still. I think if he was a politician or somebody on the news, it wouldn't sit right with people because we're all sick of seeing massive caricatures who are dickheads in yeah. positions of power and broadcasting. How can you make this person <clears throat> fun to watch but terrible? Yeah. Because if you just make him Rupert Murdoch, then you're just going to hate him and there's not going to be any fun in watching him. He's like, that guy's just a fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, he was great. He was brilliant, and uh, it's the fucking deleted scene from two where he's in the costume. It's now, we, now, now we're going oh, to this because we so rewatching number two. My Blu-ray offered me Spider-Man two or Spider-Man two point one, oh, which I never yes. watched before, and it's edited back in. Oh, it's so good! It's so good <laughs> because that's the thing in the movies. He's not 
the Jameson of the comics in his backstory. Like yeah. he's not because in the comics you find out the reason why he really hates Spider Man is because like I think it was his first wife was killed by someone in a mask. That like, was like a mugger way or something. Later way later they did it, but yeah. but they made a thing of like he, he genuinely don't... has a deep seated hatred and mistrust of people in masks. Mm. It's not just that he's spinning it for a story. The movie version is the cartoony, less deep backstory version where he is just like Spider Man is is his papers like punching bag mascot. Yeah. And it's to sell papers. Spider-Man sells papers. <clears throat> exactly. Freak sells papers. The freak sells papers. Like, stop bringing in photos of, like, <laughs> kittens and stuff. Like, Get me photos of Spider-Man! Yeah. <laughs> Get me pictures of Spider-Man! <laughs> um, so... I pay you $20 a day! Uh, um, so... <laughs> jobs? <laughs> no jobs! <laughs> Freelance! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Gotta give him a name. Like, Dr. Octopus. Nah, it's too stupid. Uh, uh, what's he calls me? He calls him some, like, um, Squid Guy. Oh, too, too dumb. Doctor Strange. Good. But it's taken. <laughs> it's like in that moment. Okay. Doctor Octopus. <laughs> well, that, that's what I. Doc Ock, for short. I want a nickel every time I say it. I want a nickel every time someone says it. Um, he's so. He's just. That oh. movie acknowledges Doctor Strange exists. Yeah. It's great. Um, so let's let's go on to Spider Man Two because I've just realised the battery will not survive the night. And also, We've got maybe another twenty minutes in us, so let's do it. Um, oh shit, we can't do that. We can't do two and three in twenty minutes. Oh, we can. Um, just right. you watch me, boyo. Best thing about Spider Man Two: Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, he has that. He has that mm. creepy horror sequence operation room after the now that used to him. is flat That's out evil dead. evil dead right down to the bit where one of the arms pins a doctor to the wall and he gets the the quick pan shot from his like face to the table to a surgical chainsaw yeah yeah. and he tries to use the chainsaw to hack off an arm yeah it's like you're just referencing yourself um, and we are completely fine with this my hands down favorite thing about spider-man 2 yeah is the doc Ock bank heist scene where he goes <gasps> into a modern day bank vault yeah. and grabs giant brown canvas bags yeah. <laughs> full of golden coins yes, and starts throwing them around. Yes, he it's does. Like, this isn't a movie set in 2004. This is a 1960s comic book. It's fucking great. It's the fact that he walks in in two trench coats. <laughs> it's in two. He's got He's in a really big one that covers up the arms. Because all you see, you don't see him like wandering through the back of shot. You don't see an establishing shot of him entering. You just see him as he steps in front of the bank vault door. He rips the first coat off. <laughs> How many trench coats? Do and you the need? arms. Like it might, it might, just be, it might just be like a, it might just be a bit that's been attached to the coat. But like he's got a full trench coat underneath. So I've got to assume it's two. He rips it off. The arm. Oh god, it's amazing. But he's in little glasses. But he's in little glasses. He's in little glasses. And earlier on, he's in the goggles. He's got the goggles on. <laughs> So what they do with Doc Ock in this movie is they make the first and probably only sympathetic version of the character. Yeah, yeah. Doc Ock in the comics and the Ultimate and all the cartoons is usually played as a straight up nasty piece of work. I think they do a good job of humanising him in Superior <laughs> Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because, because he becomes the main character. Yeah, so you, yeah. need, you need to sort of feel for him in, in a way, but like, really like he's still a bad Spider-Man. guy. Like, he's still a villain. Yeah, yeah. And he's still a horrible guy and, and, and stuff. And I, I need to catch up. I'm like about seven or eight issues behind. And the issue for the latest, the cover for the latest issue is Spidey versus Hydra and the superior octopus. 
Ooh. And it's a Spider-Man clone body from Ooh. the end of Clone Conspiracy Ooh. with the tentacles. And the implication is that that's Ock now. He's made himself a new body. He's in it. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I need to catch up. Okay. But um, he's, got, okay. like, he's got like the arms up and everything and like Hydra agents are behind him with the arms up while his four thingy arms are beating the shit out of Spidey in the foreground. Okay. Um, this okay. Ock is sympathetic. They sort of... This movie is slightly a remake of the first movie. Just like Superman 2. Just like Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it, sequel. It takes the same beats right down to the villain being a mentor character for Peter who goes through a horrible circumstance that changes him. Now, unlike Osborne, who just sort of goes full villain, Ock is redeemed by the end of the story. Yeah. And they sort of make a thing of, he's a good man, but he's using this harness. Like, in this, it's not him controlling the arms from a little, like, the control console on his, on his belt. Yeah, it's like they're, 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 an, they're, they're, belt. they're an AI that are built to keep him at a safe distance, yeah. contain the materials within a safe place, and react if something goes wrong. They're all pre-programmed to react. So they're based, they react on a pre-programmed instinct. To protect him and themselves. But he's got his little inhibitor chip. But he has a little inhibitor to make sure that he can sort of influence them slightly, but the programming doesn't sort of work both ways. Yeah. The inhibitor chip shots out in the accident, and suddenly, in a very kind of sort of Shakespearean thing, like the arms are Lady Macbething him. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's, it's weird because these films are based in science. Like, the science fiction of it is edging more toward the science. Like, yeah. Doc Ock yeah, doesn't yeah. have the arms he has in the comics. He has ones with, like, oh, this is how they work, and this is what they do, and they can only go this far, and they've got these things built into the, the claws at the end. Like, the claws become more prominent than the tentacles. Yeah. Because, like, oh, well, of course, he do put all the functions he needs in the claws and stuff. The tentacles are just to reach into things. Uh, like, the tentacles don't wrap around things, even. They've got, like, little, um, sort of... They've got, they've got like mi- they've got claws, but they've got like mini like a mini tentacle that he uses a couple yeah. times that comes out of the end of one of them. Yeah. So it's like these are a practical tool. So to make it more like keep it sort of supervillainy and stuff, they then break their whole science first in the science fiction rule and make it so they're almost like angel and devil on the shoulder. Yeah. Like they're just yeah, evil. Yeah, yeah. It's I like it's it a lot. odd and it's sort of it's sort of very loosely explained as the basic AI programming of them is affecting his thought process because the inhibitor chip's gone so he is acting purely on like no we need to do the experiment and we'll do this and we'll do that this is what we'll do and he's not thinking about the consequences it's implied that they're talking to him yeah well i think that was done i think that was done to give it that visual of like because he talks back to them it's yeah Yeah. i think he's so great in he sells it it's such a it's such a ridiculously stupid concept like bruce campbell fighting his hand in the kitchen yeah like norman osborne having a conversation with his reflection like it's a stupid concept and like the other two actors before him, Molina sells it. He sells it completely. Ock is a great villain. Spider-Man loses his mojo. We get the which, Spider-Man which they, no more Which scene? they don't explain, and I love it. Yeah. Like, you have the scene with the Doctor, which in 2.1 is a bit extended, where he basically says you need to be comfortable, like, you know, this friend of yours, like, maybe he needs to sort of be completely comfortable within himself. And that's what he needs to do. So the implication is he's off his game because he's thinking about so much. He's stretching himself too thin. Performance anxiety. But it, very yeah. common in men. But nobody, nobody is. That's, it, what it's, it's exactly that's what the is. story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's the whole point of it. That's that's. And they don't do a big explanation. There's no like scene where he's sort of like, I know it's because of this. I'm going to do this. No. You feel it. Yeah. The music, the pacing, Maguire's like expressions. You get it. The train. The tra- oh, God, the 
train. The train's so good. Oh my god, the train set piece. Okay, so you want him? You're gonna have to go through us. Had me, had me. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> fine. All right. <laughs> so good. Shots them sideways. Um. Yeah, watching 2.1 last night was the first time I'd seen that edit of it, which yeah. is basically Spider-Man 2.1. I don't think I've seen um, 2.1. It's, it's Spider-Man 2, but with about seven minutes of footage put back yeah, in. Yeah. There's a scene, before Peter goes to the doctor, there's a scene where MJ's shopping with another one of the actors, you know, the actress she's on stage with yeah. earlier on, uh, where she's going shopping with one of the actors and she's talking about like being with John Jameson, because she's now engaged to Jameson's son. Yeah. Uh, son... Um, gotta get those moon rocks, son. Son, gotta become a werewolf, son. Man wolf, son. <laughs> Never happens, but I think I think there were plans for it to happen in There's the. Plans uh, for everything I think to it, happen in. If I remember correctly, it was in a draft of three, because yeah. the studio were trying to the studio were trying to force Venom on Raimi, oh. and he was like, right, I won't do Venom, but I'll set Venom up. I'll do the black suit. So we'll have James. So like based on I think the animated series from the '90s version where Jameson comes He's down, James- yeah, and yeah. there's a man wolf story, but the the black goo is attached to the shuttle. So I think they were going to do something like that. So it would have been Sandman, the black suit, and the man wolf. But, yes. but Aviarad and everything, everyone pushed him toward Venom himself because that's what they thought. People people seem to like Venom. So yeah, Um So she has a scene with this actress where she basically is like. Do you really want to get married to this guy? Like she's she's testing out. It's the scene where MJ basically has to confront to another person that maybe that she's not making the right decision. Mm. Um, and then it's immediately followed by the scene with Peter consulting the doctor and asking him about like, oh, you know, my friend had this dream where he was Spider Man and he lost his powers and all this. And I can see why they cut that because it's like you got two near identical scenes for those characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe there could have been a way to edit it so it's back and forth between the two scenes at the same time, and it would work. I don't know. Who knows? And they're both learning something about themselves. Blah, blah, blah. But there's also an extended bit, the fight with Doc Ock after the bank where they're scaling up the building. There's a bit where, while May's hanging from the statue, Spidey knocks Ock into a window, and there's a short scuffle in a room in the building before he knocks him back out of the window. I was like, oh my god, that's new. The elevator scene... Oh, yeah. Where he can't swing as so he gets the lift down. The guy gets in the lift and he just sort of looks at him and he goes, big fan or whatever. He goes, yeah. And then he says, nice suit. He's like, thanks. Um, that scene is like a minute and a half long. And oh. the, the, the guy works for like a, a media company that like they're, they're representatives. Of, they're a brand, he's a brand representative. Oh. And he's basically trying to pitch ideas to him for what he should do. And Spidey sort of tries to take his card and is like well I don't have any pockets he's like oh right well, I mean you remember the remember the name remember the website right and he's like y- yeah yeah and then Spidey leans forward and presses the button again <laughs> like to try and get the lift to go quicker it's I love just, it this is a fun little sequence um you get that really really nice stuff where obviously the first movie had the iconic kiss between Spidey and MJ it's again one of those scenes where you're like oh my god that's that scene will outlive the movie yeah I, that's I, one of those yeah, scenes. That, it's, it's it, iconic. It, it's like you know, there are people who've never seen Casablanca but know about you know, you know, certain scenes in that movie. Like, scenes survive past the film that they're in. Yeah, the loads of people who haven't seen The Exorcist are well aware that Reagan's head spins around and spins around and she vomits everywhere. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? These 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 <laughs> things happen. Yeah, yeah. Spider Man, the upside down kiss will always outlive it, and the payoff of their romance works really well in Spider Man too. Like it works yeah. really really well. Uh, that's the best that Maguire and Dunst are together on screen as as Peter and MJ. Yeah, I think. They, they, to be fair, they don't have like a ton of chemistry. 
No. But when it, but, when but, it works, it yeah. really works. Well, it just doesn't work all the time. Yeah, and I think it works when it needs to in number two. Yeah. Um, because obviously in number two, they're a bit at loggerheads because they're not quite together. Mm. Like, they're not a thing, and she's sick of waiting for him to maybe try He's it. He's just not doing a very good job of paying it any attention. Right down to missing her uh, performance, and the usher not letting oh. him in, played by Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Sam Raimi points something out. He says, when you watch all three of the movies, not so much number three, but Bruce Campbell is his greatest enemy. Because he either defeats, insults, or inconveniences him in each of the films. That's just Bruce Campbell's Mysterio. Which was going to be in number four. Oh, we'll talk about number four next week when we talk about uh, the Amazing Spider-Man yes. taking over. But um, yes. yeah, Amazing Spider. Sorry, Amazing Spider-Man two. Oh god, <laughs> Spider-Man two, one of the best superhero movies ever made. To this day, still holds up. Still holds, still up. holds up. And having not seen Homecoming yet, although I don't suspect it's going to quite reach this height, I think Spider-Man two is still the best Spider-Man movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about the next one. No. Yes. We've got to do emails. So no. I don't want to waste time. We're going to talk about the third one. No! Spider-Man 3 is what happens when a studio finally sticks its fucking oar in. I have not seen Spider-Man 3 since I saw it in the cinema. I did not care for it. I have seen it many all. times. So don't you worry, sir. The Sandman stuff's good. Sandman stuff's pretty great, especially when he first oh. like wakes up from the reactor. And he tries but- to form himself and he tries to grab the freaking locket with a picture of his daughter yeah. in and he can't hold it because it just sifts through his hand the music is gorgeous it's not Danny Elfman on that one it's someone else doing the score for that movie but it, it's it's gorgeous it's absolutely beautiful I... that sequence and the CGI again holds up in that moment because there's, you don't see any human things there's no real things for it to play off against so it doesn't age I think the thing that annoys me the most about Sandman Sandman? about Spider-Man 3 right <laughs> Is that there? Are, there's so much good in it, but yes. what's bad about that movie just ruins the rest of it. This is very true. It's because the thing that's bad about it is the whole plot. It runs through the whole movie, so it intrudes on the good parts. Mm-hmm. We finally see Gwen Stacy in live action. She's shoehorned in. It's kind of pointless. We see the black suit changing Peter Parker, but it's Sam Raimi's sensibilities of the '60s cutesy dorky Spider-Man. So he's not sinister, he's just a bit of a goofy dick. He's a dickhead and he dances. Yeah, that sequence is... I mean, that's the thing. To his credit, it's his universe's version of Peter being corrupted by the black suit. And Tobey Maguire does his best to sell it. If the symbiote had rocked up in the 60s comics, yeah, yeah, it would have been like that sort of stuff. It would have been him like joining the football team and out-jocking Flash Thompson or something. It wouldn't have been him turning into a you know a piece of work and a bit of a monster and then realising the error of his ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the film, it takes him realising that he's alienated and upset people and hurt people for him to realise, I need to get rid of this thing, it's changing me. Um, Avi Arad forced Venom into the film because Avi Arad loves Venom. Loves Venom. It's the reason why we're getting a Venom movie because Avi Arad loves Venom. Did you know you that Venom you... was going to get a spin-off from the Raimi movies, post number three? He was also going to get a spin-off from the Amazing Spider-Man movies without having been introduced in the Amazing Spider-Man like 3. Yeah, yeah. And he's now getting a spin-off in a non-MCU but also somehow MCU universe. And all of them were per- were uh, being produced by Avi Arad and all of them are from the same script treatment. Listen. He's been trying to do this since 2006. Listen, here's the thing. with with, And here's the Human Torch. Uh, right. And here's Mr. Fantastic. And here's the Invisible Woman. 
Ami Arad. Do what you will with them. Fucking loves Venom. Do you know why? Because he was the president of Toy Biz, and Venom sold like hotcakes. When Venom showed up in the early 90s, Venom was the shit. But you know, how many times has Venom actually been good in anything? First appearances, um, New Ways to Die which is the Matt Gargan Venom as yeah. part of an ensemble cast. Uh, Ultimate, Ultimate Spider-Man issues 33 to 38, the Venom story arc. Rick Remender's Venom. Rick Remender's Venom. Um, Venom's contribution to Marvel Knights Spider-Man. And the take on him in the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, which is based on the Ultimate version and has some of the best fight scenes in that animated series. And we're done. Um, oh, and maybe Web of Shadows. Although he's not really in that. He just sort of starts the problem off. Web of Shadows is pretty good. Web of Shadows is pretty damn um, good. So, um, Venom, Venom's not... Venom, Venom is what you want to put in a Spider-Man product if that Spider-Man product and the time you're making it in happen to be the early 90s. Mm. It's no longer the early 90s. Venom can be great, but the version that they're pushing isn't. And that's the version in this movie. Eddie Brock in this movie is played, I would say, delightfully slimily for the version they use like by Topher Grace. He's... It did sink his career. Yeah, of course it did. It was, it was like his most high-profile role, and it wasn't a great role in a terrible movie. Yeah. Um, and it screwed him up. And he wasn't right for Venom. He was right for Eddie Brock. But then the way they write him as Venom in that third act, the whole, my spider sense is tingling, if you know what I'm talking about. It's like, what is this? What is this? What are you doing? Also, I think I, I feel like Kirsten Dunst had kind of checked out of the movies at this point. Yeah, uh, the love triangle thing is horrible. There's only yeah. there's only two scenes where it kind of works, and it's the scene where she and Harry, like she's she and Peter have sort of separating, and she and Harry have that moment in the kitchen, and then the bit where he, as as the goblin, has already forced like she knows he's the goblin, she forces him. Uh, he forces her to break off with Peter completely. Those two scenes are played really well by her. In the rest of the movie, it feels like she couldn't give a fuck. But hey, it's wonderful. So they tell me. Terrible, but she sings. Um, Peter is Peter is awful. Would well, you know what? Nate's mentioned the Goblin. One of the good scenes in the movie, for my money, is the fight in that one in the first 15 yeah, minutes yeah. between Peter and Harry as the goblin. I quite like that. It's pretty tight. Like, fighting in, like, alleyways and stuff. And it's just... But... Uh, pretty tight. Uh, it's a shame Harry doesn't go full goblin. Uh, and you know when he gets, like, maimed by Peter toward the end of the second act and he gets the massive facial scars. By that point, you're like, they're going to kill him, aren't they? They're going to mm. kill him. He's going to die at the end of the movie. Mm. Um... I mean, I quite enjoy parts of the final fight between a giant Sandman made from the sand from the construction site fighting Spider-Man oh, yeah, and like the Green Goblin. Giant Spider-Man is... Giant Giant Size Spider-Man. Giant Size Spider-Man number four. <laughs> first appearance of Giant Sandman and the New Goblin. Uh, new Goblin's never appeared in the comics. What am I talking about? Uh, well, new, new Goblin. Because they didn't... Like, just goblin. give him... Just give, He's not even green. He's got a bit of green on his mask. Just give him the Green Goblin suit. Just go for it. Yeah. If you want the movie Harry Osborn as the Green Goblin proper, complete the PlayStation 2 Spider-Man the movie game on hard mode, and then it unlocks the Goblin storyline, where you play the game again from the beginning with new dialogue, 
as Harry Osborn, you play as the Green Goblin. That's pretty cool. And it's a complete new control set. So you don't swing, you summon the glider, and you fly on the glider. You've got pumpkin bombs. You've pretty got, good. like, razor wire to sort of grab people and pull them towards you. Pretty good. It's a, ma- it's a, it's a whole new control set. And it's brilliant. It's so good. And the guy who voice acts Harry in the game plays Harry in, as the goblin in, in the ultimate version of the campaign. Yeah. So you get to know that voice for Harry, and then you're like, wait, I'm playing as Harry. and there's, But it's the same levels. But they changed the dialogue for all the characters so that it works. So you're trying to find out. You know your father was the goblin. You figured it out. And you're trying to find out what drove him to it. So you're trying to track down the people involved in Oscorp Industries and figure out why this went the way it did. That's pretty cool. And someone in the military has managed to get hold of the goblin tech like that was left over yeah. and has created another goblin who uh, is referred to in the credits, if I remember correctly, as, as a, a, de- a Demo-Goblin. Hey! So, but it's demonstration. Yeah, it's nicely done. Um, so when you fight the Green Goblin in the two Green Goblin boss fights, you're fighting against a military employee who's been forced to tr- who's been put in there to stop you. Ooh. It works really well. It's pretty great. Um, there's obviously certain secrets that you can't get too easy, like certain icons and tokens you can't yeah. find because you can't crawl on the ceiling, but if you float on the glider in, inside buildings just right, you can do it it's pretty great um, that's how you, if you want to say Sam Raimi movie Green Goblin Harry that's your best bet really um, Thomas Hayden Church pretty good as Sandman retconning Sandman to be the person who shot Ben I don't like having Sandman be involved in Ben's thing yeah I don't mind but him being the one who pulled the trigger I don't like because then it makes the accidental death of the burglar in the first one feel a bit weird retroactively yeah. It doesn't feel just anymore. It's really strange. Because of the way it's played, it's like it's an accident, but you're like, well, good, he's gone. And now it's like, oh, oh, I feel bad now. Yeah, this movie kind of <laughs> introduces a bit more murk into the sort of the moral centre of the first two, which yeah. is kind of its, its sort of 60s-esque moral centre is kind of what makes it... What you're saying is well. the 90s pollutes the 60s. Yeah, basically, basically. Also, yeah. Butler Exposition. <gasps> the blade that pierced his body oh, came from his trailer. One of the greatest outtake reels you'll ever see. Uh, although I think that's not in the outtakes. I think that was included as an Easter egg. Mm. The Easter eggs on those DVDs were great. So the Easter egg on the third one was that outtake. Yeah. The Easter egg on the first one was an outtake reel of the CGI. Did you ever see it? No. The CGI department put together, like, it's some of its actual technical cock-ups in the stages of animation, but some yeah. of it are ones where they've made an outtake oh, okay, with the okay. CGI. That's pretty cool. The Easter egg on the second oh, film is Alfred Molina, because he, he was, from, I think, coming out of filming Spider-Man, he'd started rehearsals for Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway. Oh. <laughs> so the Easter egg for that is sort of like a close-up of him on green screen with ox tentacles, so the puppeteers are like in yeah. green and they're, and they're operating him. And it's just sort of like him looking evilly down the barrel of camera and stuff, like as though he's gearing up to attack something. And it pulls out further, and he just smiles and breaks into, if I were a rich man, <laughs> with the tentacles clacking to the tune. It's great! The Easter eggs on those DVDs were amazing, and that's I'm why bad. I've kept the DVDs. Once I discovered the Blu-rays, I have no extras. I was like, right, I'm keeping these DVDs. I'm, gonna be DVDs. I'm keeping those. Um, um, so good. Spider-Man 3 is a mess, and it was killed from interference. Sam Raimi didn't want Venom. He wanted to tell a story with Sam Man. Yeah. Uh, he wanted to do something with the lizard. Dylan Baker was cast as Connors in 2 and 3 because he wanted to bring the lizard into it. Ah, uh, um, yes. He was open the to... The Billy D. Williams effect. Yeah. When they pushed for the for Venom, he was open to the black suit, like I said. Yeah. 
but it just didn't they didn't know they wanted Venom and that's why Venom's in the movie for so very little because he was like right that's as much as I can put up with for number four he also, wanted like, no interference fit in yeah like because he was so bloated with all that shit going on for number four he wanted no interference from the studio and he nearly got no interference for the first part of the pre-production then they started to dig their claws in and that's when he gave up because they wanted to they needed to rush him because if they didn't hurry up they'd have to renegotiate the rights with Marvel Studios and that's where everything went to shit. But we'll talk more about that next week. All in all, the Sam Raimi trilogy of Spider-Man movies is a lot of fun. It follows the traditional trilogy structure of great movie, better movie. Oh God! Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna cook dinner while I watch this. I'm not gonna pay attention to it entirely. Sort of movie. Um, but I highly recommend them. Tobey Maguire is a fantastic Spider-Man in the trilogy. I just I can't I can't. Oh, man. I can't see another Spider-Man movie topping Spider-Man 2 for me at the moment. We'll see. I'm open to it. I don't think Homecoming will be it. I think Homecoming will be a bit too deep-rooted as an MCU movie to be a Spider-Man movie when it, when quite it, yet. When it first came out... But I am out, excited to see what they do. When it first came out, I thought Amazing Spider-Man 2 might have pipped it for me. Amazing Spider-Man. Not Amazing Spider-Man mm. 2, Jesus. Might have, Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man might have pipped it for me, but I don't. Even though it's a newer movie, I don't think Amazing Spider-Man has held up as well as Spider-Man Two has. No, absolutely not. No, so. I think with I think with Amazing Spider-Man, we were glad at the time it was a new thing because it was like, oh shit, they're doing a bit more fantasy here. Like our yeah. villain is the lizard. Like yeah. they're doing it, and it felt like a different kind of a Spidey. But um, I mean, that, that's probably why Sandman was a bit jarring, and why Venom was definitely jarring in the third because. The sci-fi of the first two was based very much in sci-fi, yeah, not fantasy. And I, th- I think definitely you've got an alien goo that makes a monster man with teeth for a face. And so I think it doesn't quite. You, you could know. have gone with one of those two things, but mm. both of them in the same movie was a bit much. Mm. It just it just didn't work. It's too bloated. Too bloated. Speaking of bloated, uh, you guys sending some of your opinions about Spider-Man uh, by Jingo, you little sugary doos. Um, one second. Oh God. Okay. Um, we asked you uh, briefly on Twitter. We're going to have to rush because the battery will die. So. Oh, okay. But on Twitter, uh, I asked you what you thought about the Spider-Man trilogy, and immediately Matthew Jasper got in touch to say that the kind of movies that make me want to make movies, the love and craft put into them is up on screen in every single frame. I think that's a fair assessment. That is a great yeah. way to word it. Um. I will also recommend that you watch uh, Movie Bob on YouTube. I mean, watch Movie Bob in general, but he does a series every now and again called Really That Good. And he has uh, an episode. He basically goes in depth on films where you're like, they're held up yeah, on they're pedestals. Like, they're like 40, 45 minute, like proper long, yeah. detailed video essays. So it's like Ghostbusters and Superman the movie and uh, The Avengers, because that, I mean, that one's sort of like too soon almost. But the idea is as an experiment, it pays off like crazy and, yeah. and he goes into why the technical reasons why and behind the scenes and everything as to why these movies are really that good there's an episode on spider-man and spider-man 2 and it's worth a watch yeah there's also a youtube video i can't remember the user's name but it's called something like spider-man 2 um the greatest superhero movie ever made something like that i'll, yeah. I'll link it on on our twitter account Sometime after this episode goes out, but that's worth a watch as well because somebody dissects why that movie is basically a perfect superhero movie. Yeah. Um. So I would, I would just, uh, just, just watch them between now and next week because next week, unless uh, Homecoming's brilliant, it's all downhill next week's topic because oh. next week we're talking about the second movie. Speaking series. about going downhill, eight. Hey? 
We've got an email from Tom Monty. Oh! oh! I don't mean it, Tom. We don't mean it. He doesn't mean it, Tom. Um, he loves you, really. I know. I've seen his notebook. He's got your name all over it. And I've, I've got instructions for this one. So we'll see how this works. <coughs> Hail! <laughs> your attention, I pray... Okay, go for it. <laughs> Greetings, big damn Chris and big damn Matt. I hope you've both had a lovely week. Doctor Who! Oh, God. If I hadn't been spoiled by the BBC a couple of months ago, that probably would have been the most breathtaking episode in many years. Such a great shame. And it's because of that that this episode is wasted for me. It took them 45 minutes to reveal to us what we were expecting from the start. I think it took me about a couple of minutes to realise that the guy was the master, because I was expecting him to show up at some point. Also, I think it would also have been better if they didn't announce the Mondasian Cybermen return, because the entire ending was presumably written with the assumption that the viewer wasn't expecting either of the two villains. All that said, this is probably my favourite episode of Series 10 so far. I'm really hoping we get an explanation from Moffat next week as to how the Master ended up as a foreign-sounding hobo on the back end of a spaceship from Mondas and how the hell the Tad, he knew, the Tad's crew, hey, would end up there, but I'm sort of expecting no explanation at all. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, thoughts on the episode, if you haven't already spoken about it... Well, we haven't, because uh, we're, we're sort of a week out of whack, so uh, in case you're wondering what our opinions are on the Doctor Falls, you'll hear them next week. But yeah, let's let's have a quick chat about um, World Enough and Time. I... Oh. I don't think so. I think it's pretty good. I think Tom's <laughs> right in that it would have worked better if the reveal hadn't been spotted. Yes, that is, that's my, that is my biggest uh, beef with it, is that we knew everything that was going to happen the moment the credits started to roll. Yeah. Because... We'd seen it in trailers. We knew Missy was involved. We knew the Cybermen were involved. And we knew the Master was back and that he was going to be in the finale. Had we not known that, it would have been amazing. Because I, unfortunately, figured out who John Sim was about three minutes into his character first appearing. When Mr. Razor brings Bill out into the corridor and there's a bit more light on his face, I was like, he looks a bit prosthetic It's John Sim. It's John Sim. Yeah, I can hear I, it in his I, voice now. I knew he looked familiar, but I yeah. couldn't place his face. Because that was the thing. He was only really John Sim from the mouth down. Yeah, yeah. If that makes any sense. Like, he had yeah. teeth in, but it was it was him. Like, the nose was a prosthetic, and the, the forehead was a prosthetic. But that was my problem. I saw, I saw prosthetic, and then my brain just put two and two together. Like, prosthetic, and you know John Sim's in this episode somewhere. Oh, it's John Sim. Yeah. And it ruined it for me personally. But, again... I imagine I wasn't the only one who figured it out. And again, that's not me saying like, I'm so clever. Just like, I imagine I wasn't the only one who sort of put two and two together that he's in this episode and here's this character who's getting a lot of screen time. It's probably him. You got a bit more of a purer experience. You clocked it sort of toward the end of the reveal. Didn't I didn't. Which I wish had happened for I me. I didn't see the reveal coming until he, until he seemed to be You don't remember being here, do you? As soon as he said that. Yeah. Or whatever the first thing he says that implies that he knows... It's like, I've been waiting... As soon as he implies he knows... I'm like, oh, okay, that's just it. Yeah. But I, 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 knew, but I knew it was someone in prosthetic, obviously, because no one looks like... Well, some people didn't look like that. Yeah. But, like, uh, yeah, I just... Yeah. He was clearly having a lot of fun. That was fun to watch. And I do like oh, yeah. the scenes between him and Bill, because here's the thing. The master is a master of deception. Yeah. So the fact that he befriends her... And I think that there's a sort of implication that they're part of the story... 
takes place like over nearly a year. Yeah, uh, maybe more. more. So, they say yeah. years, years. So that's brilliant because yeah, yeah. it's like, oh my god! So for years, he believably has been wonderfully nice to her. Like he's not like when she's leaving the room, he's not going like, oh, I can't believe I'm having to put up with this. It's like no, he go, he plays the role that entire time. He plays the role and is her friend and takes care of her. And their scenes together are really sweet. It's pretty impressive. And that's why it's so evil. Because it's mm. like, oh, you bastard. Like, you've, oh, you've been playing a long game. Um, but yeah, the first... Th- I, and I do like his explanation. He says, like, you know, I couldn't, like, go looking... You know, I had to wear a disguise. Because otherwise she'd be wondering why she's talking to her from, former prime minister. Yeah. And you're like, okay! That's why he's in a disguise for Bill. Because, because otherwise it's like, why is he in disguise? Like, she's never met him. Oh, of course, yeah. She'll have seen him all over he television several years ago. So, fair enough. Um... I like all the hospital stuff. I think the build-up was nice. The problem is we knew where it was going. That was the problem. Yeah. Had we had no idea that they'd be doing the original Cybermen, because that's what they're called. The original Cybermen. Not this fucking... The Mondasian Cybermen. No, they're not called the Mondasian Cybermen. That's what Peter Capaldi said in an interview two years ago, and they decided, that oh, that's what they're called now. No, they're the Cybermen. We don't call the ones from 2006 the, um, what's it, the Pete's World Cybermen, the Cyber Cybermen, the, I think the alternate Universian Cybermen. No, but I think you Five Free Fans have been taking the piss out of it wonderfully. In their always... latest video, they have the Lego Dimension, uh, Lego Dimension Spider, uh, Cybermen? Spider-Men. <laughs> oh, God. I think, I think, no, I don't, I think you only need a name for them because there's now lots of different versions of Cybermen. No, but they're the Spider, they're the Spider, oh, fuck it <laughs> They're the Spider-Men. They're the Spider-Men. They're the Cybermen. Like, they are the Cybermen. Spider-Men. But they are. Like, what we, as you're going to later on be like, they're the Talosian Cybermen. Well, no, because the Talosian Cybermen are the Mondasian I know, Cybermen. I'm taking the piss. The point is, it's like, I hope they don't keep calling them that for the rest of the story. And he didn't need to say it in the first place. But, I, it's weird. It's weird. Because there's no character for him to say, this is where they, they started in our I universe I think that's too. a weird thing to get hung up on. I know. Well, I don't know. I just, it feels a little fan-wanky in a way where I'm like, they were never called that. Until this episode, yeah, but because they never needed to be called that because they uh, because now we have to distinguish them as Cybermen from I. But hey, the next time the trailer shows a load of Cybermen, so that means that they're a deadly threat, right? Oh wait, no, they're being exploded and they're flying left, right, and center all over the screen. Do you know what that does? Do you know what that happens when you show the Cybermen being blown up and flying everywhere? It makes them less invincible and scary. It makes them look like stupid tin soldiers. Do you think the Cyberbirds are more blown them all up? Oh, for fuck's sake! I just oh. let's go on to the rest of the questions. I don't want Bill. Explore. I don't want Bill to be turned back. She will be, but I don't want her to be turned back. Because, and that's not me saying like, oh, don't bring her back as a character. No, it it means something. In this episode, they say conversion is permanent. Can we have, please, a finale that doesn't end with a big reset button being pressed? Can we have a finale that doesn't feature Missy and the Cybermen again? No, we can't. (sighs) It's in the contract. It's in Michelle Gomez's contract. Um, oh, God. How much information backstory do you guys think we'll get on The Master in next week's none. story? None. none. They'll none. give us none. Give which us is none. stupid because we need it now. Yep. Like, this is the second time The Master has returned from Gallifrey with no explanation. We... Loud-ass volume coming from upstairs. We need an explanation now. Mm. But they won't give it. They won't. He won't. I guarantee. And if he does, I'll be very surprised. 
How long did you guys take to realise that it was the master? It was called that one. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think we might actually see the doctor regenerate next week because I can't see them doing two cop-out regenerations. Like, like Regeneration has been weakened as a dramatic thing. When the opening of this episode happened, I was like, all right. I wasn't excited or gripped because yeah, yeah. he faked one earlier in the series. Moffat turned one of them into an incarnation retroactively. Is the doctor's used his regeneration energy to heal people. River, like, regeneration means less now because yeah. of this. But I don't disagree. I think, again, you guys will know, because by the time you're listening to this, it'll already been yeah. out. But I think he's going to regenerate in 13. Whether we see the next one or next doctor or not, I don't know. But I think he'll, the regeneration will begin, and I think the Christmas special will be some Mind Palace bullshit. We'll see, we'll see. Um, there's some, I'm not even going to say exactly what, but there's some leaked from the edge of set photos that have been doing the rounds on some websites this week um, that make me simultaneously sad and angry. Okay. But um, also, hopefully, no offence to the people who do enjoy the material from Doctor Who Set Reporting, but it does mean, hopefully, that they will crack down security like never before for the next series, because it's getting daft now. It is getting daft. It's getting daft. That People go like, so, you don't have to read them if you don't want to see spoilers. It's like, yeah, but you're putting them out there. So sometimes, you, you might hashtag them and put them into a category and behind, you know, like a spoiler button or whatever... But other people aren't as considerate. Also, respect also, the integrity and privacy of the work. Yeah, like, but if they didn't want us to watch, they'd tell us to leave. They're not telling you to leave because they're being polite. Yeah. <laughs> they're being polite. If they had their way, there would be no one watching. They appreciate the support. It's not that they don't like the fans. But I think they'd like to just do their job. But they are filming a television show. They're not doing street theatre. Yes, exactly. So maybe just leave them alone. Exactly. If um, you want to meet them, go to the events. Yeah. Go to the screenings and the and the and the the, the, the you know the, the music performances and things like that. Don't go to set. Just don't. Do you think this is the end for Asbill, or can you picture Moffat bringing yet another companion back after supposedly killing them off again? I think we've covered that. Like, I I think I hope it is. They're either going to bring up. They're either going to somehow reset what happens to her, or she's going to be a vision in Christmas or something. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. That's what's going to happen. Strange watching this happen. <laughs> what's your pin? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, on Saturday night this week, immediately after watching the series finale of Doctor Who series 10, what three emotions, thoughts do you predict you will be experiencing? Uh, I won't be experiencing that on Saturday night because I'll be fucking working. I'll probably be watching it at some point on Sunday. Um, yeah, and I uh, based on what time it's on, I might be having dinner at my brother's. So I'll, probably, well, I'll probably watch it on catch up. The way my week's got... My, the way my week stacked up for... This coming week, aka the week that's just gone by the time you're listening to this, mm. I might not, I might well not watch it until like Friday. Yeah. The following Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Oh, um, Avoid the internet. Have another <laughs> lovely week, assuming that your previous week on Lovelock, Tom Monty. I apologize for the meatiness of this email. Do not apologize. I love a bit of meat. Um, <laughs> the montiness of this email. <laughs> so the old Monty one. This is this one comes from Other Dave. <laughs> Alright. There is no subject. Is that what the subject says? Yeah, I don't know if that's 
thing that Gmail does, or if it's just... No, no, that's just... That's what he's typed. Bloody weird. Um, Hello, Big Damn Cast. I have recently become morbidly curious... Oh. ...about the world of Batman comics. Oh, mince! ...vague passing familiarity with the Batmans beforehand. I've been told that Frank Miller's year one is a good place to start. Is it? Are there better starting points? Are Batman comics worth getting into at all? All the best... Other Dave. Hey, Other Dave. Year One isn't a good place to start if you're looking to then carry on with the next chronological thing, because it's sort of a one-off. But, as an introduction to Batman, if you like the movie Batman Begins, I'd recommend giving Year One a read. Here's the thing with comics, right? And this is what you need to understand. I mean, if you're into any comics at all, you, you might already get this, but here's... here's right. <laughs> oh, God, he's... <sighs> Oh my god, he's changed into a tweed suit, he's lit a fireplace, and he's sitting down with a giant leather byroned volume. Comics have been around for a long time. And these characters have been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man's been around for 55 years. Yeah. Batman's been around for over 70 years. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fiction. You're gonna have to not worry about continuity. Yes. You're gonna mm-hmm. have to be like... Okay, this is a story about the Batman. Batman is mythical and timeless. And this story is set in a certain time period, even though there's another story set in the modern day and he's the same age or younger or even a little bit older. And it contradicts things that happened in this earlier story. It doesn't matter. Comic books are a cold pool in Spain. You want to get in. But it's a bit too cold, so you dip your toe, and then you go for a whole foot. What you need to do is then just go, like you do with the pool, fuck it, and jump in. It's what you've got to do. It's what you have to do. Uh, now I want to go on holiday. Get but, a pen, yeah. other Dave. Get a pen, son! This is what you want. Year one is a good starting point for the mood of Batman. Once you've read a year... This is for the mood and the tone of what a great Batman story is. You want to go Year One by Frank Miller and David Mazzuchelli. You want to go Batman, The Long Halloween by uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Yes. You want to go Batman, Dark Victory by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Sequel to The Long Halloween. Do so you get a sense not of read Batman Year Two. It is dog shit. <laughs> it is really, really bad. Do not read Batman Year Two. Um, that will get you like a good sense of Batman's early history, even though it's contradicted by later stories. Don't worry about it. It's it's a, it's a good. It's they're great Batman stories, and they'll get you right for the feel of it. If you want to get caught up with modern Batman, what you want to do is you're looking for Batman with the new Fifty Two on the cover of the trades, Volume One, Batman: The Court of Owls by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Follow that series through all ten volumes, and then pick up the Rebirth series that's just started by Tom King, the first trade of which is called I Am Gotham. That's modern Batman. The Scott Snyder Greg Capullo run is great. Mm. Well worth your time, well worth reading. It rewrites Batman's origin. Zero Year, which is the third and fourth volumes of the trades, directly contradicts Year One. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's not important. Year one, long Halloween, dark victory to give you a sense of Batman's uh, Batman. They're just yeah. good Batman stories. Yeah, that, that's um, that's sort of the closest to like if you want something that sort of yeah. is in a continuity, that's a good place to give it a try. But if you want to get caught up on modern Batman, go for the Scott Snyder run, read those ten trades, and then 
I Am Gotham is the first trade of the current series, mm. written by Tom King under the DC Rebirth banner. Mm. Um, I'm 25 issues into that series, so I'm an issue behind as of the time of recording. Pretty fucking good. What would you recommend as, say, like, three just one-off stories? If you just want to... If what you're looking for the other day is just to dip in and try some books, not necessarily in a continuity, but you just want to give some a try, what would you recommend? Hush. Hush is, Hush is a blockbuster. Hush is like a 12-issue yep. blockbuster event. One big sprawling story. You get to meet a shit ton of the villains, ones you recognise, some you don't. It tells you everything about them as you go. You'll meet characters who, even I didn't know when I read that book, yeah, yeah, yeah. who by the end of it you're like, oh, that's who they are. Okay. In conjunction Hush with, is great. In Hush conjunction is brilliant. with like Long Halloween and Dark Victory, it's a great whistle-stop tour of, of all the villains. Yeah. Um, so Hush, uh, I would say the... <sighs> <laughs> I want to say the Black Mirror... But you have to bear in mind that the Batman in that book is Dick Grayson. Yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're just looking to dive into a good story, yeah. pick up the Black Mirror. Absolutely, because it's like three stories, isn't it? It's three. Yeah, there's like three stories in there. Um, but Bruce he, Wayne's not Batman in it. Dick Grayson, Robin, is now Batman. There was a thing that caused that, which I'll get into. In but if you can just accept that, you'll have yeah. a whale of a time. And thirdly, a, <clears throat> a death in in the family, not death of the family. That's part of the Scott Snyder run. Death, death in the family. in the family, which is the death of Jason Todd, the second Robin. Um, great story for the Joker as well. We men- I just mentioned that Dick Grayson was Batman for a while. Mm. This is advanced to Batmaning. Okay, here's your this level is, two Batman. This is advanced Batmaning. Not everyone likes the Grant Morrison Batman run. I think it might be my favourite run on the character. Is this Batman and Robin? And Batman and Son. And all it that starts stuff. Yeah. Batman, Batman and Son. Yeah, the Black Glove, which yes. is, which I think the, the Black Glove is great. They're together. They put Batman and Son Deluxe Edition is both of them. I think. Yeah. So you just need to get Batman and Son Deluxe Edition. Um, Batman and, so Batman and Son. Um, uh, R.I.P. I get there. Spider Man, Cyberman. Batman R.I.P. Then. The first two volume, first three volumes of Batman and Robin by Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. Yeah. Which is Dick Grayson as Batman and Damian Wayne as Robin after Bruce Wayne's apparent death. Then there's a return of Bruce Wayne, which leads into um, Batman Incorporated. Yes, which is great. Which is really, really That's good. That's advanced Batmaning. That's advanced Batmaning. If you really like Batman, definitely check out the Grant Morrison run. It's not for everyone. Because it's, it really plays into like all the '60s Silver Age weirdness. Yeah, like it gets fucking weird. <laughs> but I, I really, really like it. Um, so yeah, I hope you wrote all those down. We should do a big Batman episode at some point. We should a big damn Batman episode. Yeah. Uh, a bat yeah. damn episode. There you go. I'm always happy to give recommendations for series that for comic characters that I know. But that's that. That'll get you off. I'll get you off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can do... I, I would personally just go for year one, long Halloween and dark victory. Because if you like those, you'll like like 90% of all Batman stories. So, But enough about Batman. It's Big Damn Spider Month here on the Big Damn channel. On, on Big Damn Cast. And to celebrate, we've got more Spider-Man content coming your way, including 
This Sunday, we've got a big damn love from Matthew on a certain comic book era for Spider-Man, the specific storyline from the time. Uh, we've also got some cheeky Let's Play of Ultimate Spider-Man coming out next week as well. There's a bit of an extension of my big damn love episode. We've got audio commentaries coming up, and next week we'll be talking about The Amazing Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and reviewing Spider-Man Homecoming. So get in touch. You know how. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. You can also hit us up anytime during the week at BigDamnCast on Twitter. We will always be happy to chat with you about nonsense and bullshit. And uh, of course, if you're not subscribed to this channel already, give it a cheeky sub. That's all we've got time for this and week. And of course, oh. with it being Spider Month, we've got the hottest cheats for what? the hottest Spider Man games. Oh, right. The so, like, fresh Spider Man for PlayStation 1. Four. Special menu codes for the PS1 <clears throat> Spider Man game, Spider Man. Yeah. From the main menu, select special, then enter any of the following cheat codes where underscore equals a space. A space. Rust Crust. Oh, R-U-S-T-C-R-S-T. That, um... Oh, shit, I don't know which one that is. What is that? What is Invincibility. Oh, right, okay. DC... This is my favourite PS1 game, by the way, so I should remember at least one of these. That's D-C-S-T-U-R. That's Infinite Health. Right. Excelsior! Yeah. That's X-C-L-S-I-O-R. That's all levels. That's the level select. Yes! Dulux! Ooh. That's D-U-L-U-X, like the paint. That's, uh, is that all characters? It's a big-headed hero. Big-headed heroes, damn it, damn it, damn it. Strudel, S-T-R-U-D-L. <laughs> yeah. That's unlimited webbing. Yeah. That's G-B-H-S-R-S-P-M, what if contest. Oh, that's great. That's great because um, the Watcher appears to you when you do your playthrough, if you've completed it already once. Christopher. Yeah? This is Cheat Corner. Yeah? Cheat Corner's my segment. Oh. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> yeah, I like it when you cry. Uh, yeah, I like it. So, if you want to get all the comic book covers, what you do is you type all six CC. That's A L L S I X C C. If you want to get all the movies, you go watch underscore. And if you type a swear word, it'll punch the screen. Fucking Christopher!